It's another day here at the Comeback Team Studios. This is the host that you're slowly learning, learning to love. This is Beck Lover. And I have one of the best guests I've ever had on in my show. I'm very pleased and very honored to have him on the show. And I have my friend, my new friend, John Alite, also known as Johnny A-Light. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks, Beck. And this is another episode of Beck Lover and the Comeback Team. Tonight, we're talking about life in one of the most notorious crime families in the history of the mafia, one of the most dangerous hitmen in that crew, and his life on the run, behind bars, and what he's doing now to try to better the world. Welcome, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, Skip. So here we go. Here we go. John A. Light, you're harder to get on the phone, man, than Mick Jagger, man. <laughs> I wish I could sing like Big Jagger. You know, I had to go through a few channels, a few, you know, a few Albanians here and there. Boom, boom, boom. Does anyone know this guy? Get me into, you know, you're hard to find, man. How you doing? Good, good. I do a lot of traveling. That's why it's not easy to find these days. I waited all day to smoke. And the Albanian culture, when the guest comes, you know already, the guest is the god of the house until they leave. So f- from one Albanian to another, I say to you, marabo, which uh, also yeah. means welcome. Yeah. You have a nice uh, cigar there. I want you to light it up first. I'm supposed to light it for you, but with all these, you know, no, wires and yeah, shit, yeah, I don't yeah, want to fuck up the show. It's all right. So I'm gonna have you uh, light your own cigar. Hit it more towards the. That's how you do it, huh? You hit the sides like that. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it lit like that. You're teaching me something. You know why I, I chew it a lot too. When I smoke, but you hit the side like yeah, that. Yeah, I hit the side around because I'll chew it. You'll see the difference when you chew it in the web. I've but never seen someone light their cigar like that. Should I hit the middle? Mm-hmm. I gotta do it like this. You know how to do it like that. How to do that. In any event, thanks for coming. I'm gonna light my cigar because I'm, I'm I'm dying to smoke. This is gonna be a smoky episode. Every but show I did in Albania, all I did is have cigars in my mouth. Everybody's asking me why you smoke. Uh, Albania, you can yeah. smoke in the fucking hospital. Well, I don't stop. While you're dying. Yeah, yeah. Just give the doctor twenty dollars. You're good to go. <laughs> you can fucking smoke anywhere in Albania. You gotta love that though, man. You light a cigar anywhere you go. Yeah. Well, Nobody bothers you. I was never a cigarette smoker, so I love cigars. So, I used to smoke three, four packs a day. It wasn't until I quit cigarettes that I never realized how amazing cigar life is, man. Yeah. So you always just smoke cigars. Cigars since I'm a kid. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And what's your favorite cigar? I mean, there's no way to say just one, uh, but what are some of your favorites? I'd say Partagas, uh, Amante Cristo, uh, an Ashton. You know, I smoke a lot, so actually I just had a tumor removed from my throat from smoking so much, so, uh, yeah. So yeah, you're not making me too happy. Yeah, and I still, <laughs> I still, I'm still smoking, I haven't slowed down. So I never had, you know, which is crazy, I never had dipl- Diplomaticos from Havana. It's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's I, pulling I, good, no? I, yeah, actually I smoked them a lot when I was in Cuba, so. It's got a little, uh, little yeah. sweetness yeah. to it. So we got a lot to talk about, and um, there's a lot... Obviously, your life is is beyond. Uh, if it was a movie, it'd be a three part movie, right? Yeah. yeah. I want to paint the picture before we even go into your life a little bit. I think to not talk about our own culture first. I think, I think by going into this a little bit, people might really understand because there's a lot of people curious about the Albanian world. We're not the most known people out there. We're known for certain things, not always the best things, but we're also known for some amazing things. Like Mother Teresa, yeah, Jim and John Belushi, yeah, we saved the Jews in the Holocaust. That's right. right? That should show you what kind that. of heart we have, right? Yeah, 
Albert Einstein made it to this country because he had an Albanian passport. That's right. So think I have about a lot it. of Jewish friends. So I, uh, I got a lot of respect for that culture. They're very intelligent. And, uh, we need to follow after them, actually. Pick each other up a little more. Yeah, I, I believe in that. Sticking together as a culture. Everybody knows how I feel about Albania and Albanians. And uh, the more that we can help each other, I think the better our culture will be. 13 million of us, 13 million of them, but we're nowhere near doing what they're doing. Let's be real. We could be. We're good as individuals, I've noticed. As individuals, we're fucking phenomenal. Well, as the years go on, there are a lot of uh, positive uh, role models uh, in the Albanian culture there and here. And, you know, you get guys in the music industry, Capital T, who we both know. Shout out to Capital. Capital's True uh, Capital. We love you, brother. He's really a true gentleman. He really uh, is. Uh, some of these guys, uh, Ledri or Agashi, and some guys that I, I've met in, in the past were really gentlemen. And Capital T, one of them, really, I got to say, he's a, he's, a, a he's a, one top top artist over there. I mean, and, and, and usually when they get to that level, that's when they change. Yeah, but he, he's not like he, that. No, no. I had, a, you know, I know him personally, and I met him a couple of times. We talked a couple of times on phones, and he really is a gentleman. I, I, got, a, I got a lot of respect for him. He's one of the guys that. Uh, for is, those of you that are listening, Capital T is a top artist of the country of Albania and uh, Kosovo, which we consider one anyway. At least I do, and I know you do. Yeah, I do. And I you know how that. I can also authenticate what you're saying to be the truth about this guy? And a couple other guys, like Bobby B, shout out to Robert Barisha. When I got out, of, I used to organize some of the biggest Albanian events in New York and New Jersey. I'm talking about thousands of people. Right. When I was no longer putting money in these musicians' pockets, none of them know my name no more. Yeah. Capital T, Robert Barisha, some of the realest fucking guys yeah. in that world. Because when the money stopped, they still, hey, I'm in New York, I want to see you. Yeah. With no interest, that's a fucking friend. Yeah, yeah. These are, these are two real guys here. Well, that's, I think that's in the, you know, in the world, and that's one of the things I talk about in the mob is, you know, when the money stops, uh, the loyalty stops. And I think you get guys like that, you know, like Capital is a real gentleman. And, you know, I, I had uh, met Ledri in uh, Saranda when I was there. I like him, too. And, gosh, yeah, I like some of these guys. I, I think they're good for the uh, culture and uh, music industry both. So, very know, talented. Respect for them. Yeah, very, really talented. And, and what's amazing, really, in the last five to ten years, there's like this Albanian phenomenon, right? Yeah. You got Action Bronson. He's one of the top hip artists from Queens. Yeah. You got uh, Dua Lipa, won the Grammy, Best New Artist. Right, she came out of London. Yeah, she Rita Ora, yeah. first one to do it. Yeah. BB Rexa, BB Reja, yeah, out of Staten Island, top. I mean, these are amazing artists, right? Yeah. There's more in the pipeline. Yeah, there's more that I know. They already signed Interscope Seven. Shout out, yeah, amazing artists coming out. I don't know where, and I think it has to do with it has to do with the New York Albanians, man, because we brought the Bronx to them. Yeah, as far as hip hop is concerned, let's be real. Yeah. Right? There, was, there wasn't really many other white boys walking around the Bronx. Not yeah. in your time. No, not in my time at all. You didn't. The Albanian culture wasn't uh, like it is now. You there wasn't that many that uh, came to the States where we could leave Albania back in the day. So, you know, it, it's a lot different now. People didn't really even know what Albania was or who they were or anything about our culture back then. Let's kind of start getting into this a little bit. Where does your life start? 
I mean, what, what was your family story? Do you know where they came from? Where did they start? I want to kind of start before you're even in the picture. Where did, where did they leave from? Yeah, they, well, my uh, father was uh, from Giocastra and his family. I go back always. I've been back, you know, since I'm out from home from prison probably about seven, eight times now. And uh, I'm pretty close with my family in Albania, actually. So I keep relationships with everybody back in Albania. I write them, I call them, they call me. I have one cousin I'm very, very close to, Andrit. I think most people see me in a lot of photos with them when I'm back there. And uh, uh, even with my family, my mom was from Tirana and her, her family was from there. And so I, I keep uh, a, a unique uh, closeness with my family. And I, I travel all over Albania. I believe in big Albania. So I'm in Macedonia. One of my best friends is there. In Kosovo, I'm there a lot. I have a lot of friends and partners there. So... Uh, I travel all through uh, Albania, and uh, I look at us as one, and uh, I hope that uh, most people, people wake the fuck up. Yeah, wake That's up. what I hope, too. Wake up and, and realize we're one. And the potential that they have. What well, a beautiful country, no? I mean, you want to talk about beautiful? Where the hell you have mountains like that? Yeah. And within an hour and a half, two hours, you're on this beautiful Beach. crystal clear water and ancient ruins from the Ottoman Empire, yeah. the Roman Empire. I mean, they just, they have so much history packed into that tiny little place. I mean, they don't need nothing else but tourism and they'll kill it. Yeah. They just got to wake up. Yeah. And they got to start utilizing their people outside that are educated, man. Yeah, I mean. I feel like they could have done a better job. I feel like, honestly, I feel like the government could pull us in just a little bit more and make make us feel a little more comfortable. Because what we could do for that place, man. Well, you have so many smart, intelligent people and talented people from Albania that... You need more opportunity, and I think with the opportunities now, as time moves on, just reassurances. That's all we want. There's so many. We just want to know we're good when we go there. That's all we want to know. That no one's gonna come and fucking shake us down. Let me open my business. Let me fucking try to help some people get work, and 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 we'll and we'll come. Got no problem. But I, you know, sometimes I don't feel so comfortable. You know, no no country is perfect, but I think we need. We have a lot of work to still do. Yeah, but we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, look at Tirana. Look at the capital of Albania. It's fu- I call it the Paris of the Balkans. Yeah. Freaking yeah. beautiful. Yeah. A lot of fun. The people there are really cool, laid yeah. back. Nobody really bothers you. Yeah. A lot of tourists. Oh, a lot of tourists. A lot of tourists from all over. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So what I want to do before we completely go, so your family came from Girocaster. Now, did they leave because of communism? Is that why they left? Do you remember when they left? Do you know Yeah, no, they-, they left before communism. Because uh, they're actually from the town of the dictator. That's yeah, where yeah. he came. Enver Hoja was from Hoja lived right next door to us. Enver Hoja, for down. those of you listening, was one of the most brutal communist dictators that ever walked the earth. Yeah. And that's how my family ended up coming this way, was yeah. during that time period. They, yeah. they started migrating in the 60s. Yeah, a lot of my family left earlier, and then they came back and forth, and uh, uh, had an uncle that uh, wrote. Now, you were born here. I was born here. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I was yeah, born here yeah, also. Yeah. So you're first generation Albanian American. First generation, yeah. Yeah. You know, being raised in my family, everybody spoke only Albanian in the house at the time. So it was a little different on the street. Uh, my grandmother actually never really learned to speak English. My grandfather did, but he was in a restaurant business. So he was out in the, you know, the everyday world. He spoke like six, seven languages. So, so do you know, I mean, where did you grow up as a kid? Like as a, as you know, five year old, six year old. Uh, Woodhaven. It's uh, Jamaica Avenue. Uh, I was on the border of East New York and uh, Queens, Brooklyn and Queens. I used to hang out over there a lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot from two thousand to two thousand five. Those were my stomping grounds. Yeah, when I was a kid, my shout best out friend. to my friends over there. You know who you are. I got my Albanians over there. We won't mention no names. Yeah, when I was a, a to kid. the brothers that changed glass. I love you. Yeah. They know what that means. Uh, the Leakers were friends of mine back in those days. Whose uh, uncle was a big time gangster and. Uh, 
Sadat was well, my best friend since we were uh, kindergarten. So, so you then, actually knew that family? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very yeah. Dangerous. People know the yeah. People I'm not even mentioning the name. Yeah. People know the story. You, I'm not yeah. saying you you brought it up. Yeah. So, you kind of grew up in that area. Heavy Italian, right? Mm-hmm. Was heavy Italian. Uh, I grew up around the uh, Andy Ruggiano and his family as a kid. You staying out on Austin Street? Oh uh, yeah, I went back and forth. How was it back in those days? Austin Street was, was nice. It, was it, it bad? Was, I mean, was no, it good no, Austin was Street it? was nice, really nice compared to our neighborhood. Jamaica still areas. is nice. Yeah, Austin Street always nice. It's a, a nice. It's well, the community there, most got a Jewish. European feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Especially that little courtyard area over there, yeah, little cafe, a lot of outdoor stuff now. Yeah, a lot of outdoor. It's it wasn't so hot in two thousand when I was hanging out there. There wasn't too many nice restaurants. No, it's built up since then too. You didn't have the cafes. Yeah, now you have a lot of cafes. You got so it's come a long way. I mean, Queens is it's, my, it's one of my favorite boroughs. Yeah, it's my favorite borough. I think after Manhattan is Queens. Yeah, well, you got a lot in Astoria now. It's uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. So, so your childhood starts over there, like a typical family that came to the states, right? Right. You going to school? Yeah, I went to school. I wasn't really particularly good in school. My my siblings were. I wasn't. So you went to school. Mm-hmm. Did you finish high school? Finished high school. I got a. I was a captain of my baseball team in high school for my junior and senior year. I played okay, so up years. until this point, you're kind of not ever really doing anything too crazy. No, no, I was actually normal a, childhood. Good, a good kid. Yeah, I was a good kid. I had a kind of normal childhood. I was just exposed to the mob. You knew about them? A, well, since I'm a baby, my whole family was involved. So my uncles, cousins, they were all gangsters. And uh, my you know, my friends that I grew up around, the, the Ruggiano family, the father was a famous gangster back, you know, straightened out in the early 50s by Albert Anastasia. So my exposure was unique because I didn't know uh, minor, you know, small-time players. I knew the, the, one of the biggest bosses in, in, in mob history. You were close to the Hornet's Nest. I mean, yeah. you were right there your yeah. whole time. Yeah, and the sons were great guys, Albert and Anthony. Did so. you go to school with any of these, like, kids and grandkids yeah, and nephews yeah. and nieces? Mm-hmm. Like, So, I mean, kind of, you were just, I don't know if it's a proper way to say it, but you were kind of in the right place at the right time to be exposed to that lifestyle and to that world. The perfect storm brewed for you. I mean, you, it wasn't like you were in a completely different area of New York. You were right next to that area that they controlled. Yeah. Yeah. My exposure was, you know, very young. I know. You, I mean, you literally grew up knowing knowing these people, even though you were yeah, not, I was even raised, though you weren't Italian. Right. Yeah, I was raised uh, in that world, in that life, in their houses since I'm a kid. So I was trusted very you know, at the, you know, right off the bat, because of the people I was involved with, one of my girlfriend's fathers was a made guy also as a kid. So, you know, my exposure was in, involved with the Gambino family and Lucchese family at a very young age. Now, when do you remember the first time you saw one of these guys and you knew what the, who they really were? You yeah. remember as a kid? Did you? Did you? Was there like a romance in your mind? You know, like where you say, "Man, I, 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 these guys dress sharp." Or I mean, was there something that went off in your mind that you can remember the earliest memory, maybe, where you like? I want to be like these guys one day. Did that ever happen? Oh, yeah. You know, I know people say, well, they didn't know until they were 10 or 15 or 16. To me, that's nonsense. I knew one since I'm four years old what mobsters were. I was exposed to them at that age, and I stayed with and was exposed to guys like uh, Fat Andy Ruggiano, that's what they call him, as just a gentleman. So he was so nice to me that I was romance thinking most mobsters were going to be like him and his kids, Anthony and Albert, and that's not the case. And some of the Lucchese guys, uh, like my girlfriend's father, was uh, Louis Gaddy and uh, his uh, brother, uh, so George. These guys were nice guys, and they were a little different than the modern-day mobsters and guys later on in life I ran into where, you know, it was, uh, I seen another side of the mob that I really, as a kid, wasn't exposed to. I was exposed to the, the real deal guys, and they were gentlemen. And that's not typical of the street guy. 
I kind of, I kind of want to go off on a tangent here. I want people that are not from the Albanian world because we don't have the best reputation out there. And unfortunately, they make a lot of. There's a lot of mafia films coming out right now. One of my friends, who I consider basically a cousin, he plays a lot of those roles. He just did a movie, Ocean's Eight. He did analyze that, and they they they've been portraying Albanians a lot in movies lately. Yeah, which I'm not crazy about. Um, but unfortunately, some of it is true, right? Yeah. And 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 even more on the other side of the water. But leaving that organized crime out of it, I want people to understand the Albanian culture. And to understand that the reason Albanians have the reputation they have is not even so much of being criminals. It's our culture. That's what people don't understand. And what do I mean by that is this. I have this pretty accurate, in my opinion, theory that it was actually the Albanian nation that brought the vendetta, the blood feud, to the Sicilians. From my understanding, Shakespeare even wrote about this. Yeah, if it was I'm not in mistaken. the 1400s, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with the history. So I know you do, but I, I want them to understand kind of where we're at. So the Albanians, even to this day, even though technically, you know, countries have formed governments and laws, the unwritten rule, which was written, because it's, it's a written book, they can go buy it in the Bronx, is the Code of Lek Tukajini, also known as the Kanun. In English, if we translate that, the Blood Code. This is actually the law that Albanians for over, I don't know, almost almost a thousand years now, right? With, with 1200s, I think it first came out, or 1300s, I'm not sure. Actually, I have it here. Came out in the uh, 15th centuries, like when it was actually like written, but it was unwritten for centuries before that. Right. So for you're talking about for six, seven hundred years, our people operated by this code, the Kanun. And basically, in a nutshell, if someone kills a member of uh, even just a regular Albanian family, if they're regular, doesn't mean that they're mafia, doesn't mean they're gangster, doesn't mean they're a criminal. What people don't understand why Albanians became known as a violent people is that if you killed someone in their family, the way it was inbred into their hearts, we're a people of revenge. We live for revenge. We wait for revenge. And that's what makes even the most common Albanian. I, I, if I'm saying something here that's not accurate, let me know. I know we're getting a little watered down. We're melting into the pots. I'm not a violent guy. I've never hurt anybody, never even hit anybody, never killed anybody in my life. But if somebody ever touched my family, I will go after their family. Yeah. Because I believe in that. Especially if someone fucking, you know what I'm saying? But this has been inbred to our people for generation after generation. Now, in some cases, unfortunately, it's getting out of hand. People are getting caught in crossfire. There's all kinds of crazy shit going on. But you know of cities. You visited them. Whole cities and towns that are actually shut. They're fucking, all their windows are closed because they're in blood feuds. And only the women can leave. And there's rules to the feud, right? Like You can't just leave the house. Right. Because the minute you walk out that door, it's open game. Yeah. The rules of the feud were... No women, no children. So the women can go out, but good luck making a living if you're a woman at that time, right? right. But the men, the minute they're outside, they're fair game. They're fair game. Uh, I did work with a friend of mine who made an independent film called Forgiveness of Blood. It's on, you can download it. It won the Berlin Bear for Best Script. It's based on a true story of two Albanian families that go at it. So where do I get this alleged theory in my mind that we brought this to the Sicilians? I, in my opinion, and you know better because you were around them more than I was. There's a starking similarity between us and them. A lot of things in common. The blood feud is one of them. That really, I think, ties us to them. But we know when we pull up the history of the Arbresh people, and that's for those of you that don't know what that is, it's spelled A-R-B-E-R-E-S-H-E, 
The Arbresh are the Albanians that left Albania after the Ottoman Empire conquered us. The Italians gave us land. We didn't take the land. They gave it to us as a gift. Some estimates say almost half of our people left at that time. There are still villages in Sicily, Calabria. These are the most, right, most mafioso areas of Italy. Right. Where the Albanians still exist and speak Albanian from that time that we don't even understand them. One of the most famous families from there is the Belushi bloodline. Right. That's a fact. And I had Father Antonio Belushi stay at my home for months. Not Antonio. Was it Antonio? Yeah. Uh, Father Belushi from over Calabria came and stayed at my house. Gentlemen. So here it is up on uh, Wikipedia. Anybody that's watching can pull it up. This is the history of the Arbresh. So we went there as friends. We didn't come as conquerors because we saved them. St. George Castriotti, whose statue is in the middle of Rome. Scandal veil. Piazza de Albanese is what it's called in Rome. You can see his statue in the heart of why is his statue there yeah. if we didn't do something for them. So they gave us the land. And when we came in friendship, we unfortunately brought some of our dark habits with us. And my true theory is through osmosis, the Sicilians, because we came as heroes there. We didn't come there as cowards. Right. We came as the people that stood against the Ottoman Empire, the only ones that were able to hold them off for 50 years with guerrilla warfare. And that was like the weakest person in the world fighting, right? These guys were like the most advanced army on earth. Well, I think that's what makes me stubborn in, in my beliefs because... It's our greatest strength and weakness. Well, it, it is, and I tell my kids, I don't need a thousand guys standing with me for me to believe in what I believe in and me to follow my rules, which I've done through my lifetime now. And I think that I look at guys that can't stand or need to be in groups and don't stand with me as cowards. So, so I have a look of uh, different people when they, they take the weaker way out and go with the group. And I try to teach my kids not to be that way. Do you think my theory is crazy? No, I agree with you. Kind of makes sense, right? I I, I had this epiphany with it. I'm studying the history. Yeah. Well, you know the history, and and you're hitting it spot on, honestly. And people that we were doing the blood feud for thousands of years. It's not a great thing to be. It's nothing to be proud of. No, it's not. But it's very violent. You know, but it made sense. You know why it made sense? Because you thought twice before you killed somebody. Yeah. Because when you killed someone, you're bringing your whole fucking not just your family, your whole entire clan. Correct. Because we're tribal people. Right. You brought the whole clan into a feud. So you have to really think, is it worth it? Because it's going to keep going back and forth and some either it's one side gets wiped out or someone forgives the blood. Yeah. So that is my only stark warning to anyone that listens. Regardless of where these people live, if they're true Albanians, they still live by this code. If you hit them, they will hit you back with everything they have, even if they're not criminals. Well, I think that things have changed, in the, you know, obviously through the centuries. And, you know, we're at 2000 and the... 2020 now and uh, some of the things I'm hearing I'm not happy about obviously things that are going on within our culture in Albania uh, most recently this last year with killings of women and children and uh, some of this uh, the, the men and I'm talking about uh, the real men that got involved in the wars whether it was Kosovo and Serbia or men that you know live by a code of ethics that are important to our families and I think that more men need to stand up against the men that are, are doing this against women. I really am I'm disappointed in some of these crimes and some of the suffering of families uh, through uh, jealousy or thing, you know, things against cultures within our own culture. So hopefully that'll change. And maybe uh, I started talking to people advocating against some of the stuff that's going on and I'm hoping... Uh, politically, some of this, there's stronger laws against this. So I mean, they're moving in that direction. 
I because hope so. I, the way it looks, they want to be in the EU. In my opinion, I think that's a big mistake for Albania. Yeah, I'm not if, particularly. If, if Italy couldn't keep up, Spain couldn't keep yeah. up, Greece couldn't keep up. How the fuck are we going to keep up? Yeah, I think the only thing that helps us right now is that we don't have their currency, so it's cheaper for people to visit us and buy stuff from us. Yeah, I think we should keep our currency. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that we should go. I'm not an economic that. master. No, but. Let's I mean, look at all the bigger and why if it's so good then why did Britain leave? Yeah. I mean, so why why are we gonna leave when the when the one of the most popular countries in that place it's like I'm I'm I'm, I'm out. Yeah. How, how can that be a recipe for success? I think we gotta keep promoting tourism because we have a beautiful country, like you said. We have an amazing country. And I amazing think people we man. need to bring all the monies into the, the country and different things in economy. The economy needs to grow in certain ways and I think that's really where they gotta look. I don't think the EU is a, a is a a magical uh absolutely not i think they, they 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 take over you they uh you know basically they put you in debt and you can never repay that then they own you they own your fucking country yeah that's what i think yeah i agree with that so i'm sorry for going off on a tangent i just wanted to give people a little bit of a background of the ancient albanian code which has nothing to do with organized crime yeah. but it trickled into it it trickled in it and if my theory is correct and most of the notorious gangsters came from sicily then our culture had a huge impact on that. Oh, 100%. Period. Yeah. It's not bragging rights. It's not, it's not, let's be real. We're told it's not, it's not, it's not something to brag about either, right? It's not, it's not like we're fucking curing cancer. You get my point? Yeah. But people are fascinated by this type of stuff. They read books. They follow people like you. They want to make sure they, 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 I mean, I read the comments. People love this type of stuff. They eat it up. Yeah. That's why they make all these movies, you know? Yeah. That was a side tangent. We're going to go back. I'm going to shut the fuck up now. But I just wanted to get that kind of, you know. No, I think it's, I think it's good that you, you just brought this up, actually. Because I think a lot of people really don't understand our culture or our history. And I'm not talking about other, you know, countries. I'm talking about our own people. I don't think they really know. Uh, I mean, the Italians say. did help us a lot throughout history, traditionally, if you look at it. Well, t Italian is, is a great culture. I mean, you know, people think because I was involved with the mob and, you know, have disagreement with some of the guys in, in the mob world that, uh, you know, it falls back on the rest of the culture of the, of the Italian uh, culture. And it doesn't. Not at all. I have a ton of Italian friends and my sons are half Italian. And, like a lot of Albanians when they first came to America, I mean, a lot of Italians looked out for them. Yeah. They got them jobs. It's a, listen, it's a highly, listen, you got great, again, uh, Italy has some great uh, fighters, singers, uh, opera, uh, architects, uh, op, opera, Buccelli, uh, Pavarotti, I mean, the list goes on and uh, you know, over the years. So I think that, uh, you know, you look at guys like George Anastasia, who wrote my first book, who's uh, an accomplished writer and uh, journalist. I mean, you, you got so many, you know talented people and it, same in our culture I says and unfortunately sometimes the negative uh over you know cites the uh the, the positive so um it, you know i just think that uh you know society's got to change as the years go on just like i try to change so but yeah i know like uh a lot of them helped us when we first came especially in the bronx yeah um so we thank them for that. And, you know, even after communism, a lot of Albanians went over there. Some of them caused problems. You can't blame them for some of the resentment. But I think for the most part, we have a pretty good relationship with them. And a lot of Albanians speak Italian because during communism, that was the only TV they got, mm. from what I understand. So a lot of Albanians actually speak Italian. Yeah, well, my cousins do, actually. Like fluently. My grandfather did, yeah. And actually, a lot of clothes that are made in Italy, they're actually 90% made in Albania. Then they just whoop, 
vote and then they do the final assembly in Italy so they can put the tag. Right. Well, because again, because uh, it's Creative. cheaper. It's and it's cheaper, much cheaper. cheaper to, to so you grow up in a neighborhood that's basically the mecca of the mob. Right. Literally. Yeah. I mean, Woodhaven Boulevard. Yeah. Right? All the way down to Howard Beach, which becomes Cross Bay. Right. Right? Yeah. Boulevard. Yeah. And then you have the well, Parkway, and then you go over there, and that's Howard Beach. Right. Right? One of the best hibachi places, I think I mentioned this to you, I love it. Shout out to Danny Sheshwan's. Amazing. I'll do, uh, I can't eat hibachi anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know what it is about his sauces. And it's not the most healthy. No, but he's always been a gentleman too. He's so, you a know, fucking gentleman. So he he knew how to uh, to uh, be success because of his. It was around back else. in those days too. Yeah, yeah. Since we're kids, we've been going there. So and he yeah. comes to the table. He give you like twenty shots of sake yeah, on the yeah, house yeah, and blah yeah. blah blah. He's, he's a great. Just, to this day, he does. Yeah, it. yeah. He's a good businessman. Shout out to Danny Sheshwans. So you grow up in this environment. You basically at a young age realize who these guys are. You go to school. Everything's pretty normal to this point. Yeah. How old are you when you start finagling a little bit? Start kind of putting your foot in the arena? 14, 15. Do you think it was because of peer pressure? Was it your friends? I mean, was it something you just made? I mean, no, I actually. Can you paint uh, the picture? I was very athletic. So I was away from the streets, but I was exposed to the street. And then I would be in a boxing gym, Lost Battalion Hall with. Uh, Ruggiano's, Albert Ruggiano's, uh, Albert Ruggiano, the son of uh, Andy Ruggiano. And he was a big athlete. Now, Ruggiano was a part of what family? Gambino. Okay. So he, he was, was the one that was straightened out by Albert Anastasia. I think it was 1952, maybe 53, but around there. So you're boxing in the gym, you're friends with his With his son. With his son. For a couple of years. So ago, this is kind of like your, your, your little gateway then, kind of. This is where it kind of starts. Uh, well, one, no, nah, not really. I mean, I just think my whole life of was the gateway of, of that life. You're completely surrounded by Surrounded by, it. by my hair cutter, my father's friend, my little girlfriend's father, uh, her uncle, uh, the deli I worked at. It was all mobbed up. and It was just a, a, a complete exposure. My uncles were uh, partners with uh, the, uh, Luciano, Charlie Luciano, Baki, in Jersey and card games. My father was a gambler, so I was around those dens and... So it was just a complete exposure of that life to me. And uh, so between sports and mob, that was my life. So if we had to say anything, can we definitely say that your environment played a big role? Sure. I talk about the area codes, zip codes. And, uh, I mean, like, I, let's say if, like, if you would have grown up in the middle of New Jersey, you probably wouldn't have been in the mob, maybe. Or do you think no, you I, I think it was a, a lesser Or do you think it was in your genetic home? No, I don't think it was genetic home. I think it was just the, uh, in my environment. Just like, you know, the inner city kids join gangs and because that's what they're exposed to and that's the way out for uh, for us. So as a kid, when you're not, uh, you know, mentally mature, those are the roads that we originally take, the shortcuts, and that's the pitfalls of the uh, street. Shout out to Johnny Fresh, man. Yeah. He's sending me messages here. He's, he's got an amazing CBD company. He does. Okay. He sells weed the legal way. Okay. Good shout point. out to Johnny Fresh and shout out to Freddie and Moni. They're watching from Detroit. Okay. They got like 100,000 followers, these guys. Yeah. Detroit's a big area, Albania, so, I, you know, it's a, it's another city I've been to. And we've got some heavy guys in there, too, man. They're not scared of no one, those guys in Detroit. In any event, you grew up in this environment, and you do believe that it had a lot to play with, with it had a lot to do with why you ended up being in the mob. Yeah. How old are you? I mean, you finished high school, then what happens? Uh, most of my friends are involved in gangs and crime by this time. 
and uh, I get a baseball scholarship, and I leave the area. I go to Florida, and, uh, back and forth, California, back and forth. By now, though, I'm getting a little more uh, dangerous, even though I'm involved in, in sports, and uh, I start uh, changing the direction. Uh, whether now, are I you, you, I was or not, you, you, you in college or no? Yeah, I went to University of Tampa on a baseball scholarship, but I end up having an arm injury, and I come back home. I have an operation. Did you get a scholarship football? Yeah, baseball. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's pretty interesting fact. Yeah, I, I mostly That you actually got a scholarship for baseball. You got a free ride to college, yet you end up going the other way. Well, Ruggiano's were big athletes, so the father used to come watch me play. You're the going up with competitors. Coach. Yeah, these guys, and so, you know, it, it fit in with the mob world as it was because, you know, back again, it's gambling, it's sports, it's boxing, it's everything that uh, the mob liked. And Would the mob, and, I mean, would they fuck with high school games? Uh, not, not uh, Would not, they take bets on that? No, no, no. Just with college or higher? Interest. College, they would, yeah. College, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. College, boxing. High school was yes. interesting enough. <laughs> it's no, too, no. too volatile to place a fucking yeah, bet yeah, on Yeah, yeah, yeah. You lose your shirt yeah, on that. Yeah. Right? But they would come to the games, you know, we were, you know, Obviously, he was my coach. and That's crazy. My son loves baseball. He will not play any other fucking sport. I put him in everything. Yeah. He doesn't. Well, you know, baseball, even for me, I still love it. But So I'm that's why you were so good with the fuck. Because I always see you know, I used to baseball bat guys. That's <laughs> why. Now we know why. I used to baseball bat guys. You fucking love baseball. <laughs> yeah. okay. Unfortunately, I used to bat the wrong way sometimes. So you're, you're in and around. You're in and around. You finish college. You injure your arm. When do you start saying, I mean, when does this start happening? I mean, uh, you had said in some other interviews you kind of had some stuff in, the, in your teens a little bit. Yeah, I think it's gradual because all my friends are involved. I have a lot of good friends, cousins. You remember the first time you committed a crime? <sighs> I committed a crime, is it? I mean, the first time where you had the adrenaline rush. We used to steal the parking meters. We used to cut the heads off after we got good at it and steal the ones with the four heads and quarters. And I did that with my How much fucking quarters did you get in the thing like oh, that? Oh, ton of money, actually. Like how much? A kid. How much well, we started with Uncle the dimes, right? And the yeah. dimes, there was nothing. There was like 150 in it back when we were little kids. Yeah, but, but then we went up back to, in the Yeah, that's what it was good money. And then we'd 80s. go up and we found an older kid that drove a van and he would take us up to Queen Center Mall and they had the four-headed meters there. So in broad daylight, we used to go up there. There was know, no cameras back there's then. There's no cameras. And if you had a little bit of balls, you know, you, you, you can take them. And we used to go and we cut like six heads off. But the funny thing is when we started getting caught by people in public, we realized they're not calling anybody because they didn't mind those crimes because it wouldn't, they wouldn't have to pay for the meters. So that hit us that we says, oh, you got to actually get caught it. by the cops <laughs> to get caught because the people didn't care. Because then they park free. So, you know, we would get away with it in broad daylight and nobody would say anything. And that, you know, is what I would say were kid crimes, innocent crimes, and then it steps up. Because that's your first, like, in your mind, that's one that really sticks out in the beginning days. Yeah, yeah. And I did it with innocent guys. Kind of a funny. I mean, not street guys, really. A lot of, you're probably a lot of people's heroes for that one. Everyone's Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the neighbors caught us by my house and he's, we thought he was going to yell at us. He called me up to his front steps and uh, he was joking with us. And then he, Basically, let us know. Go ahead, do it. You know, cause there was no cell place. phones back then? No, no cameras, no cell phones. What a fucking world. Yeah. What a world. I mean, I remember a little bit of it, but, yeah. you know, first part of my life, the world was like that. It was a different time. Yeah, man. different time. It was a completely different time. Do you wish it was like that still? Uh, you know what? I think all this technology has changed the world from the innocence, too, even though that was criminal. But there was so much more innocence, and there was so much more like courting a girl, 
uh, the normal way. I think there's no more courting of, of a girl or a woman that if you want to date, there's too much technology. It's, no, it's, it's come down to a simple swipe left, swipe yeah. right. I mean, it's fucking I used to tell my me? kids I'm never going to touch that phone and text or anything. When they first gave it to me, they were trying to teach me. And I said, I ain't doing that. I'm, I'm using a phone. I think that fucking thing has destroyed the family structure. Yeah, without it. That's what I don't like you about it. You can't even go to watch when people go on, an, even on an interview or a, on a business meeting, you see everybody touching their phone. They can't sit without touching that phone. It became an obsession with everybody. Now, let's talk about the descent into the fucking wolf's den, right? I mean, you're in and around one of the most notorious families in this country. When does this start getting serious? Uh, it starts getting serious when you're going to start pulling the trigger. You know, when you start pulling the trigger as, at a young age, it's like guys that get recruited into the army. Usually it's when you're young and naive. And now, there's one thing I forgot to ask you, and I'm sorry I cut you off. In high school, did you fight a lot? Yeah, I always fought. Why? Was it you being the aggressor or just typical normal shit? People fuck with you, say something stupid, you're not going to. I'm not an intimidating guy. I'm small. So, you know, you're going to have to fight. They tested you. Plus, I grew up in a violent family and a violent environment. So I was used to not taking no shit from anybody. And Did you hold your own? Oh, yeah, always. I mean, I, I, you know, I was good with my hands. I could fight. And, and if you couldn't fight and, you, and you'd lose. See, you know, most people don't fight. I don't think it's the fear. I think it's the idea that they may lose. It, and in my environment growing up, we were used to being bloody. And as a little kid, we like, what's the worst is going to happen? I'm going to get fucked so up. So you lose. But in my family upbringing and my friends, meaning, you know, uh, Andy Ruggiano, his sons, I was taught to fight. It's not important if you lose or win. So I would fight. It didn't matter to me if I lost the fight or won the fight. But no one's going to push me around without me hitting them too. So if you're fighting five guys, you're fighting, you're going to get beat up, but you can't lose the fight because there's five of them against you. If you're fighting two, same thing. And if it's one-on-one, -on -one, no big deal. You it's a very common thing in the Albanian world. Yeah, you got to fight, though. So You want to hear something crazy? About one or two times that I, I, you know, I had. The reason I wasn't that I was scared, I was scared what would happen to my family. Meaning what my family would do to that person right. is what prevented me from fighting. Yeah, but let me tell you I something. mean, like, I had people out there, they think that they got away with whatever they got. I was scared that if it ever got to that point where I was actually injured in a fight, yeah. this goes back to the Albanian thing. Sometimes the reason I avoided fights was I was scared of what would happen to those people once my, my people. Yeah, but I got a different attitude than I did before. And I try to tell my kids the same thing. You go to a club. I try to squash it. But you shouldn't fight. As long as they're not taking my face completely. Well, you get my you, point? Say you go to a club and you, you're going out with a couple friends, girls, guys, or just guys, and you get into a fight. There goes your night. You just ruin your night for what? You're not getting paid to fight. So, you know, if a guy's a, a, oh, you're gonna a, fuck a, a, guy's a moron or whatever, go on the other side of the bar. Let him fight somebody else. The Albanians, yeah. you know what they say? Show your rugs budalis. Let the idiot pass through. Yeah. Let the idiot yeah. pass through. Yeah. Don't waste well, your time with that. Yeah, and we and we have that, I don't know how to say it in Albania, but about the barking dog, you know, let them bark. Just walk away, let them fight somebody else. Somebody else will hand it to them. Don't worry about it. They'll run into guys that like me that it used to be. I have friends of mine, I have said it over in different times when I'm talking to people in interviews, they've never gotten to fight in their life. They're tough guys, they're men, but they're not stupid. Me, I wasted time fighting like a moron and an idiot, and you get nothing out of that. You know, so what do you get out of it? So, you know... You, you learn as you get older to be more of a gentleman and walk away. I don't know how many times in cars people curse you and everything. You know, like, you know what? Years ago, I used to stop. Uh, you know, somebody would say, well, did this guy ever hit you, jump you, or punch you? 
come on, man, that's part of being on the street. You're going to get jumped. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get shot. You're going to, that's, if you're a street guy and somebody tells you that no one ever sucker punched you, nobody fought you and 10 guys didn't jump, then I don't think you've really been on the street. You're picking and choosing when you want to fight. But to me, those days are well gone. You know, I try to be a little more intelligent because there is, uh, every time you make a decision and a reaction, there, there's something's going to be, is going to happen because of that reaction. So you got to be a little smarter, stop being impulsive and, and, and make your decisions a proper way that's beneficial to your life. Before, I really didn't care. I just wanted to get to the guy that uh, wanted a problem with me. I didn't care what the you know what was going to happen to me whether the I was going to jail, and that's the the mentality of an idiot, and that's how I used to think. Like we would say, like budala, you know, you're like a, you know, dummy. So now I have a different thought process as I'm getting older, and I try to relay that thought process to the younger kids. That that doesn't make you a man. Mike Tyson's a tough son of a bitch. Do you think he walks around everywhere trying to fight at his age? No, no. He's made some bad decisions in his life, and and he went to prison for it, and and he had you know things that people talked negatively against the guy, and I understand because every guy wants to challenge Mike Tyson. I says whether he, I don't want to fucking even well, now. I don't want to challenge. Well, guys drink and they act stupid, and they and and whatever's going through their dumb minds, and you know, so Mike Tyson can't be Mike Tyson, the heavyweight champ for the, for his whole life. He's got to say himself after a while, "Hey, I'm Mike Tyson. I'm a famous guy. Let me just keep walking." And that's it. I think Mike Tyson can still take out fucking six, seven guys. Oh, uh, 100%. He's a don't fucking, get me wrong about that. That's and I was saying. I'm watching, saying it don't waste time. I saw the, the clip of uh, Sammy the Bull yeah. when he was on Valuetainment. You were also on that show. Yeah. And I saw that he basically said publicly that they were going to fucking whack Don King. Yeah. You weren't the kid they told to go do that, were you? No, no, no. Do you know who they're talking about or no? I think so. Yeah. They were John Gotti Sr., was actually considering whacking fucking... Dog. That's what the bull said. I'm not saying you said it. Listen, That's on Valuetainment's yeah. website right now. Here's the problem. And that would have been a very high-profile fucking... But these are some of the dumb moves or comments or conversations. You can't go around killing everybody that doesn't agree with us. I'd be killing everybody every day. I mean, years ago, I guess I was. But it didn't get me anywhere but trouble. And, you know, these guys that want to kill everybody all the time, they're not doing the killing themselves. And this is what I'm trying to teach these kids. If they want to kill them so bad, you go kill them. You know, what are you sending me all the time for? You know, I, as a kid, I thought everybody And especially if it doesn't make sense from a business perspective I mean, all. you got guys like Andy Ruggiano who actually did a lot of work himself. So he's not the atypical mobster. You know, this isn't back when he was made. The new mob now, these guys don't do work like they used to. Nowhere near. And uh, is that stupidity or is that being intelligent i mean you can hear it both ways i mean to me it's more intelligent but on the other hand people that don't fear anything there is no structure then in the mob world so i mean it's two it's a double-headed sword i mean there's definitely a lot of hotheads i mean listen you don't is there a certain i mean in your experiences all these times all these years did you notice a common trait between all of you especially the killers there ain't that many killers like everybody thinks. Everybody thinks you know, you'll get five weightlifters together. They think they're tough guys because they're going to jump two or three guys. But get one of those weightlifters. And I'm weightlifters, I say weightlifters, a lot of these guys are insecure dummies. And not all of them. I got friends that are great shape weightlifters. Like juice and, heads. And I'm talking about the juice heads that are, are bullies and guys that you know are insecure because you run into one of those guys by themselves and let them challenge me or somebody like me. And then all of a sudden, they're not so tough anymore. But... You know, it's easy when guys want to be tough guys with six guys against two or three or four. Or, you know, this is atypical of uh, the coward uh, 
kid that is growing up that I guess the father doesn't give him direction to teach him. Because if you're one of those six guys, you're supposed to stop that fight and say, I'm not, it's not my person. I'm not fighting these guys, two guys by themselves. You know, the, the, to me, those are coward moves. Do it by yourself. When there's five against you, then I'll have some respect for you. But, you know, these guys don't see it that way. And, then you know, these guys want to stay together and they want to convince themselves that they're tough guys. When you know better than that, those are the weak guys. So you start your descent into the mob, right? You start going in. Right. Do you remember the first time you actually did work for them? I mean, I've done so much work, so it's... I mean, do you remember the first time you had to get violent? Well, yeah, for I'll them. give you an example. A guy just yesterday texts me. I haven't seen him in close to 40 years. He's talking about the incident that I had in California. I'm not sure if you know about it, but a friend of mine gets Not aware of it. And uh, he sends me a message, and his name's Tony. He says, I was in the back of your car when uh, you kicked the guy in the face, and you knew you were going to get locked up by the police. But the guy just jump my friend so those are some of the dumb things i've done over the years to get even with guys so yeah i was violent since i'm a kid uh you know i started i guess at about 17 using bats and by uh 19 20 i'm using guns everywhere so uh you know some of those you know some of those things and behavior i did was uh i guess because i really at that point i wanted to be in that life and i didn't care and I didn't. I had the mentality of not caring what happens to me, but I'm going to do what I want to do to get to the guy. And he's a perfect example in California. I knew I was going to get locked up after I did that stupidity, and then I stabbed his friend in front of the police. Got locked up there. Now, what kind of dummy am I to do that? Now you're already running work for the mob at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm working. Now, when did you become friends with Gotti Jr.? Uh, you were friends with this guy. He knew my friends. He would come up to the neighborhood. His father t took over. Andy went to jail. And because uh, I see him mention your name in a few interviews, since I mean, I like in the early eighties. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's. I try not to mention him anymore because to me, he's just a barking dog. Like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, the guy. But you never really like hung out with him. I did. I hung out with him all the time. Saying, he was a friend of yours. Uh, back I don't know, then, mob friend. So yeah. it was somebody I had to protect. Somebody I was working for. Somebody I was taking orders from his father. To, to take care of him, I use different words when I'm with him, depending on uh, that day in the interview. But overall, I was his personal guy. You know, I went, you know, I used babysitting because, you know, I try to show that this guy wasn't about anything. But I shouldn't use those words. Really, I was just, uh, his father placed me next to him to take care of him. Now, you start as, you start at the bottom when you start for these guys, right? You start as a soldier? I started off, yeah, just as a, a guy that was making money with them. and then They I come and say, hey, we, you want to do this? We got this. You want to do that? I mean, that's kind of how it starts? Or? Well, you know, most guys work in slowly because they're not known. You know, I happened to grow up around the mob since I'm a kid. And so they kind of seen you from outside. They knew that you're from the neighborhood. Yeah, well. 20, friend, 30 different people know that. Everybody knows are. me. I grew up with them. So for them, it's a little easier to bring you into that world. Well, it was very. I'm already in it because I That's grew what I'm up saying. in it. You I grew up. up they all Ruggianos. knew. You. It yeah, wasn't yeah, like you were coming yeah. like a like a DT would try to get in out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. They knew. Different. They saw you as a kid. Yeah, they know me. I'm a baby. They know what I'm capable yeah. of, and I started becoming known to be uh, an enforcer for them. You know, so it, it just uh, was part of my duty. Were there any other Albanians around that area with you? Not too many. I mean, I had some cousins that stayed with me. A couple of local Albanian guys. Uh, but like I said, Albanians at that time in the 80s weren't, weren't a prevalent uh, uh, nationality that came up. Especially in Queens. Time. Yeah. They were more in the Bronx. They were in the Bronx. Yeah, they were in the Bronx. They were in the Bronx. And I would go into the Bronx and see some guys I knew that were Albanian that hung around our family, you know. So they Is it true the stories I heard about the Bronx back then? Because I don't know who controlled the Bronx at that time, but I heard stories of 
you know, the, the Italian mob used to try to shake down Albanian families, and it would never end well for the Italians. They would never, they would try to come, like if a guy opened up a store on Arthur Avenue, and they'd come with that, you know, you got to pay this, you got to pay that, and the Albanians would be like, fuck you, is that true? For, to your knowledge? Yeah, without me mentioning some of the Albanian family names that I'm I've heard these stories yeah, there's from some, the horse's listen, mouth. I just want to cooperate because you're on the other side over there. Here's the thing with, with Albanians, and you know this, and Albanians that are listening know this. If you disrespect an Albanian, especially uh, an Albanian's old culture, right, if they're real, they'd rather die. They'd rather die than pay. And there's stories with legitimate guys. There's a guy that was from Jamaica Avenue. From He, was, he owned a jewelry yeah, store. No names. I don't want no beef. And, we don't, no, and they came <laughs> to rob him. And they, you know, when they robbed him, they put a gun to his head. They put a gun to his wife's head, and he still wouldn't give it up. And it's not a tough guy. He's a legitimate, just an old school, Albanian, hardworking, hardworking. And they told him, "If you don't give it, we're going to kill your wife." He says, "Kill her." And he loved his wife. Don't get me wrong. But he was but ready he to was, die. Ma- he was ready to die because his manhood. So they him. shot his hands, and they thought by shooting his hands, they shot his fingers off that he would he would pay. He didn't pay, and they end up leaving. They took whatever a little bit, but they didn't get into his his safe. They came back a couple of months later, three, four, six months later, they shot him again, and he wouldn't give it up. And I left, and I know I was very friendly with his son. And his son, again, very educated, nice kid, not, not a gangster, and neither was the father. And they asked to see me, and I went to see him, and he was, told me what happened, and he, you know, he, he described who came. Uh, and we went to see him, and they wanted something done about it. And this is a legitimate guy. And we never did anything about it, couldn't find the guys. And the story be told afterwards, one out of the three guys end up dead. Now, who killed them? I don't know. And But this will show you about, this is just a typical hardworking Albanian that ran a business that wasn't a gangster, wasn't a street guy. But the mentality, you know, as the Albanians that are listening know. I heard a lot of these you're, stories. You're not, you're not going to get away with doing that to uh, an Albanian guy overall. I mean, I guess there's pockets of... People that don't want any kind of trouble. And then you get guys like him that says he's a hardworking guy. His family, legitimate people. His son was a nice kid, educated. But they weren't going to allow anybody to take advantage of him. So I think that's a lot of our culture is the same beliefs I have in my heart. People ask me, well, you know, about some of the decisions I made. I said, nobody's going to take advantage of me. Nobody's going to make a sucker of me. And nobody is going to go against me the way they did and expect loyalty back from guys that gave me no loyalty. And guys that betrayed me. It's never going to get changed. And that's why I've never shut up since I've been out of jail. I said, because I never betrayed anybody. I've been betrayed. And, and that is never going to get twisted. Because factually, we can check dates on this. And we're going to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. So you, you, you're in with these people now. Uh, you start moving up the ranks. What does that mean? Because you're officially never made because based on their code, you're not. Italian. Yeah, right? well, again, that's But the you're nonsense. a strong associate. Strong associate. I'm the guy that's doing the hard work for them. I'm the guy doing the shooting, the grunt work. And uh, I'm not good enough to be made in the Italian mob, but I'm good enough to do their work. I'm not good enough to uh, sit with these guys at, at a boss's meeting, but yet I'm considered a boss. And when the trouble comes, everybody's pointing at me. So it's okay then. So, in other words, you want me to be the donkey for you guys. But uh, I'm not. And do you feel like you were looking backwards sometimes? No, I, I, what you feel I like do you were feel, taking advantage What of? I feel is our culture was embedded by me, by my grandfather. To yeah, be, the only reason you went that way is the Albanians were nowhere to be really be found in that aspect. Well, I had some Albanians working for me, but they weren't killers, honestly. They were good guys that moved around with me, did some things with me, but weren't shooters. I was a shooter. But the, my 
my problem was I learned to be loyal to people that weren't loyal. And through history and Italian mob, I don't need to say much, but go ahead and see. Every one of these guys turn on each other. Bosses not only turn on each other. They, uh, Gene Barella was a young kid that just came home. He said it pretty well the other day on, on a talk show. He speaks pretty well, and I'm uh, actually I'm proud of the kid because he was a wild kid, Italian. He's a cousin of the Ruggianos. And he said something the other day about in his interview about, you know, I'm giving loyalty, I'm not getting any. And the way he said it, it, it hits it, nails it right on the head, exactly what goes on in, in the mob world. So I was loyal to the wrong kind of people that weren't going to be loyal back. The Ruggiano family was a different, unique family. They were very loyal. The father was very good to me. And I thought everybody was like that. That's me being naive, as street as I was. I didn't understand guys like Gotti were going to walk in and enemy or not over the years and become an informant. I didn't really believe that. Not just him, but all his captains. And everybody's pointing at Johnny A. Light. He's a killer. He's this. He's that. They're all giving me up. I went on the run. I mean, they trying to change the like story. You were in Brazil. Like, what the fuck are you doing in Brazil? It was one. I, of the I don't. Countries. I don't know your whole history. So for me, it's like I'm watching this for the first. I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen highlights. Well, I, didn't, I, I didn't have enough time to prepare for this. I wasn't a typical uh, American Albanian. I was more of a European Albanian. You know, in Europe, people travel from country to country. When I left this country, I had hooks in a lot of countries: Colombia and Cuba and Brazil. For you know, for a handful of them, uh, West Africa, and I end up having connections in these countries, and I moved around from country to country. So I didn't want to be an informant. I didn't want to rat. I didn't want to talk. So I left this country. And uh, Interpol now, You were involved in all kinds of shit, right? Uh, everything. Drugs? Drugs. Pushing it? Everything, yeah. Drugs, pushing They need you to take someone out. You take them out? Yeah. Do you remember the first time you had to do something like that? Sure, sure. Like yesterday, no? Yeah, I mean, those things, you know, listen. I Is it true? Do you ever see your victims' faces? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, li listen, I can still basically name almost everybody I've shot or killed, and I've done it uh, recently on some of these interviews to just to shut up. See, the problem with this is you got a million killers on computers now, or big mouths. Cyber gangsters. Jericho Hoffs, or whatever word you want to use. Trolls is what trolls. they're called. They, they, they comment, they say cute shit. Tough guys. Meanwhile, if they saw you, they'd probably... Well, if you invite them one at a time, not in a group, one at a time so we can handle them, and tell them, come on, come in the room and show me what you really are. They don't come. But they keep talking on these computers. That's the problem with the computer age. And, you know, my, my mentality has changed over the years because, first, I'm older. Second, I've done it, been there and done that already. And third, because I'm trying to ch change young kids' minds to be a sucker and ruin their lives. Because now, this family, I mean, they had control of a big piece of New York. Sure. People sure. used to pay. Yeah. Sure. You want your store open, pay. I heard a story that there was one Albanian family that never paid in Queens. Is that true? I'm not going to mention the name. But is it true? Yeah. There was a festival that used to go on. They refused to. He yeah. ended up getting it, right? Yeah. yeah. That's all true. True. Yeah. So that's proof. I mean, listen, you're going to get guys. Listen, anybody. You knew that family? Yes. And, it, it, and you got to remember something. You're going to get guys in any aspect of life. Uh, there's guys in, 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 I talk about armed forces a lot. And so there's a lot of guys that stay in touch with me. Uh, just recently, it was a guy that lost both his legs as a volunteer fireman in 9-11. He just reached out to me. And uh, Michael, he knows, you know, without mentioning his name. And, he lost his legs uh, in 9-11? or legs, yeah. Because of 9-11. Because of 9-11. And he reached out to me, and I just recently got in touch with him, and we talk a little bit. And, you know, you got guys like him that, you know, he said to me, you know, John, I really, uh, you know, he, he watches everything I do. And I said, you're a guy that lost both legs. I can't even compare it to being... 
anything like you. You're a yeah. strong individual. Who Heroically. Don't think, yes. I was there that day. And your people forget these things. And, and that's really some of the men that have risked their lives for things like that, positive, you know, not the negative shit I did. So, you know, I, I got a different outlook, I think, over the years. And I try to, and that's, to me, the most important thing now is try to get these messages to kids not to ruin their lives. While you were running with these crews and the Gambinos and all that stuff, who were some of, like, your best friends? I had a lot of black friends, actually, that no one talks about. I talk about them a lot because they grew up in the street. And to me, they were gangster guys. And would they get involved a lot? Yeah, they and, do they, shit and they still, were still friends. And, you know, a lot of them are never getting out of jail. And some of them are still on the street with me. And I talk about And These guys were criminal gangsters, tough guys, street guys. And nobody can tell me about ethnicity, whether they're Albanian or Italian or German. I never asked anybody this. If you're on the street and you're a tough guy and you're my friend and you're loyal to me, I'm loyal to you. That's all that counted to me. It didn't matter to me uh, what color they were. So there's nonsense about... You know, I got a lot of mob friends still that I talk to, and people say, well, I thought you are out of the I am out of the life. I says, but I still have friends in the life, and I'll never say who they are that are still loyal to me, and uh, I just don't get involved with criminal activity anymore. So, you know, I got a different outlook on I life. mean, you're done fucking 18 years in jail. You're okay. not trying to go back. No, and, and you know what? That's not, I'd rather, I, honestly, at this point in my life, and I tell kids this, I'd rather clean toilets, I'd rather work at McDonald's, because those same guys that are committing crimes or some of my friends that are doing life, they're working in kitchens and jails, or they're sweeping floors outside the prisons in the yard, and things that they never would have did before when they talk to me now, they, I wish you can, I could change my life. I mean, Michael Harris, Harry O'Harris, the founder of Def Jam Records, went partners with me, and uh, Paul Newtall and his, and his wife Tiffany in a, in a program called Second Chance Program. And these guys are, are doing positive things from inside jail to outside, trying to change and, and help kids and uh, minorities and, you know, every individual, every, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and we talk about every life matters. So, you know, these are the things that hopefully we can reach some of these kids that are in prison and going to come home and change their life or kids that are still out here that never go into prison, hopefully, you know, so it's really important to give the right message. So your mission to the end of your days on this earth is you want to really try to show people why they shouldn't go in. Ever. Sure. Listen, and it's not just for mafia. We're talking gangs. No, okay. It's crime. This is very easy for me to do what I've always done. You know how many people bait me to try to go after them again since I'm home? And the simplest thing for me to do is to go kill them or go hurt them again. And I'm not going to do that. And it's very simple. I mean, I got some dumb kids that follow their father's big mouths and talk out their ass and just punk kids. And that's how I look at them. And I don't blame them because I blame their fathers. Teach them something positive, teach them not to do what you did. And most of the fathers never did a fucking thing in their life. That's the, the, the laughable thing. Because if they sat down like you go to work and you're going to get a job at Merrill Lynch, you give a resume. These guys got no resume. They got a resume of selling powder and pills, and that's about it. Never did nothing violent in their life. They don't even know what it is. They're just glorified drug dealers. So, you know, our culture, and of most of the Albanians can relate to it, especially in Europe, are dangerous. You know, these guys, you're not going to do nothing to them without them getting something back. And what I'm trying to tell these kids is whether you're in Albania, whether you're here, and uh, whether you're in uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn, where I did some talks, you know, you're only hurting yourself every time you do something stupid. You're only going to suffer. That day's going to come where you're not going to get out of jail just because you wanted to punch a big mouth in his mouth or you want to kill somebody for whatever wrong he did to you. But then your life ends. So you're killing yourself. So they got to realize what they're doing. They're killing themselves. They're killing their own family. I mean, when, you, when you're when willing to kill, you got to be realizing that you're either 
A, going to go to jail or get killed yeah. eventually. You got to be willing to pay that consequence. Listen, I paid those consequences in different ways with my life in prison. I've been shot. I've been stabbed up. I've been baseball batted. So once in jail? Says, everywhere. And, you know, in jails in Brazil, I, you know, guys that were in pri- prison with I me mean, in Brazil uh, were still did, friends. That, we still haven't even gotten to that, man. Yeah. How, how, did, how, did, how the hell did you end up in Brazil? I mean, I went on a run, but I went to countries that I had connections at with cartel in Colombia or in West Africa with uh, a very prominent street gang there. And, uh, you know, I had hooks in different, you know, different areas in the world. I wasn't a, a typical, you know, guy from Queens like most of these guys and never leave their neighborhood and go to Florida. And that's their big fucking trip. You know, me, I lived in California. I lived in Philadelphia, New Jersey. I've been all over the world. I traveled, I don't know how many countries now, probably over 40 countries through my life. So I had a different... Uh, Connections, uh, Denmark. I have a very good friend there. He's a gangster. He's retired. I mean, I have different. Uh, so I had different capabilities than the average guy. I have capabilities now. I can snap my finger anytime I want and get even with anybody anytime I want. I don't do it because that's not my life anymore. My life is to talk about uh, doing the right thing, and the right thing meaning uh, something positive with your life, uh, whether it's a restaurant, opening up a business. Was the majority of the guys that you had to? Whatever you did, you had to do. Were they mostly criminals themselves? Yeah, yeah. I don't have any bad crimes. I don't have crimes against uh, the public. Uh, my crimes were had to do with either somebody that's in either the mob world, drug world, or gang world. So, uh, you know, I, I look at, you know, I'm, there's, you know, people ask me, well, there's still crimes. Yeah, there's still crimes. And the guys that try but to kill me, these are guys that would have killed. killed you too. Well, yeah. If I it mean, was the We other all way signed up for the same thing. I mean, we all signed up for the street. I never did anything outside of my world of uh, criminals, you know, so I don't have that kind of jacket at all, no. Speaking of jackets, the fuck, man? You're saying you're not in, but the way you're dressed and you look like these fucking guys in the movies, man. What are you wearing there? What is that? This is a, that doesn't look like no suit that came out of Sims. Remember Sims? So Sims Ma- suits. It's Armani. It's an Armani. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I like clothes. Fucking yeah, shock, so, man. Uh, so you haven't lost that taste? No. You always dressed sharp? Yeah, I Even before it. you went in? Even in high school? Yeah, yeah, always dressed. You think velour suits are coming back into style? I like velour suits. You used to wear them? I, I, I don't even like, know where to fucking buy can them. Can I tell you something? I tell a lot of guys, I got you know, a lot of guys from Albania stay in touch with me. And uh, you know what? My style is my style. So I don't care what somebody else is wearing. You know, people, when I bought the Cartiers, everybody asked me, those glasses. I said, I like Cartier. Uh, this was a gift. It's a, you know, Roberta Cavalli pen and. You know, I always have my Albanian pen with me. I had it on the Chani show. So certain things I wear, uh, I like because I like them. It doesn't matter if somebody tells me it's not in style. It's in my style. So, you know, I try to be a leader and always be a leader. So I stand on my own two feet. I don't need 20 guys with me. So you're in Brazil. You went there, from what you told me, to not, to not inform on the people you were working with. Obviously, I wouldn't have left, right? You, otherwise, you would have stayed. Right. So that part, to me, adds up. Yeah. Now, you also say that, um, and I, I don't know if I'm getting this right chronologically, so while you were in Brazil in jail, they were already throwing you under the bus. Gotti was already meeting with the feds. Gotti Jr. Gotti Jr. was meeting with the feds, and six of his captains already turned. And so, how did you find out about that? I'm how in, did you know it was I'm true? In, I'm in the penitentiaries in Brazil with uh, some of my guys that are penitentiaries. With me. They're all doing interviews now from around the world, different countries, talking about we're getting paperwork from, uh, you know, I have a ton of lawyers. I have investigators. I have uh, one of the concierge of the family at the time. His son was a lawyer. He's given me information. God, he's already ratting. 
And uh, then we're getting information of uh, Gotti's right-hand man uh, before that, uh, Mike Scars DiLonardo. He's already cooperating. So you got him and his guys. So you had about 12 made guys from the Gambino family already giving me up. And then you have an opening statement. From That's me. the only reason why. Uh, 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 listen, if anybody could tell me something different, chronologi chronological order, I'm in jail. They're already in the newspapers. Gotti hit every major paper that he's in. Uh, I have some clips here. This is looks like either the Post or the Daily News. I believe that's, that's Gotti the, Jr. Uh, yeah, that's the New York Daily News. That's 2005 while I'm in penitentiaries of Brazil. Then over here. It's a New York Post. Junior had a singing tryout. And, 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 and what you're understanding, they're, they're throwing you under the bus. They're all giving information on me, yeah. That's how I get caught. So yeah. you're saying once you confirmed for a fact that they turned on you, even though you left the country to, try, to not turn on them, yes. that's the only reason why you said fuck it. I mean, some of the dumb comments he makes is I only rat on my enemies. I mean, these are ridiculous comments. Uh, this is me at the same time. Uh, now, this is where in Brazil? Brazil. It says uh, the, um, the, the headlines is about me is the king of crime of New York is captured in Brazil for homicide, drug trafficking, and uh, the rest of it says I'm a playboy, blah, blah, blah. But that's the Associated Press, CNN. I'm all over the news worldwide. Uh, after you, these made guys through the uh, Gambino family, Bonanno family, boss, they're all cooperating, giving stories up on me. And then one of the captains at the time in 2006, shortly after that, does a, his own opening statement, Ronnie Truccio, one arm, saying if he's not nice to me, that I'll kill him like everybody else. So, I mean, these are the statements these guys are making against me. So when I come home, I owe them nothing. You know, and I don't know what any, how anybody or anybody, whether I don't care what nationality, Albania or any other culture, would be loyal to a guys that are not loyal to me. I mean, there's nothing to say. These guys started to throw me under the bus and chop my head off. If you wanted to kill me, I was game for that. That's what part of this life was about. But not this part. That's me going back to Brazil uh, last year. Well, they let you back in? They finally let me back. Actually, they were going to lock me up again in the airport because they didn't have the paperwork clear. Because it, it, it came up, yeah, right? they held me. They held me for about four hours. And what's what's hours. life like in Brazil, man, for a non-Brazilian? It's I, a pretty I, aggressive city. It's bro. very aggressive there. The jails were very aggressive during the riots. They accused me of, uh, that's the food we ate every day full of bugs and stuff. But uh, you have guys. Uh, Turn this around. So this is the actual shot of the food you had to eat over there? It looks like, no, no offense. It looks like what they feed cattle. Yeah. This is in rooms full of unsanitary. How long were you in there? Uh, two and a half years. Damn. While these guys are ratting on me. That's, you know, and, and, and while I left my family, and while I lost $35 million, everything's being pulled from me from the United States government by testimony of made guys in the Gambino family and, and associates, but mostly made guys are giving me up. So you're already in this environment, two and a half years. You haven't said a word about what was going on with them. You're no just way. dealing with your own shit. Well, I'm sitting there. If I wanted to talk, why didn't I come home? Yeah, because you're definitely not going to stay in that. So I stayed in a place where, uh, you know, I get accused of killing guys. I'm stabbing guys. There's guys like uh, O from Nigeria that with me that did some radio shows recently. Uh, there's other guys that have done uh, radio shows about me that were in those Brazilian penitentiaries with me when we were getting the information that uh, the Gambino-made guys are all giving me up. So, I mean, they've over the years of me being home, they changed this storyline somehow. But you can't change facts. These are facts. I didn't, I didn't print the Daily News, and I didn't print the New York Post, and I didn't print that article. With What's Jerry this Capici. one? This is in Serbia. This is Gotti called the Serbian papers, they claim, and uh, said that 
I was behind three uh, bombings of uh, Serbian churches in Manhattan, Australia. But you're in jail. In Manhattan, yeah, yeah. This is recent. This was, uh, I believe, about 2012 or 13 when that happened. 13 or maybe 2015. I remember the Serbian exactly. church burning down. Yeah. But that wasn't because of a bomb. They said I bombed three churches. They were trying. I was behind it. Three different countries. That ended up being, uh, they proved it. They did. I don't know what they did. I just laughed it off. I did an interview in Kosovo on an exclusive. Uh, we did it by Skype. It was, a, it was an exclusive that ran for about an hour that day. And uh, I said, this is what I've been fighting against is the money that's been paid uh, against me by, uh, you know, different mob figures trying to get me locked up. And since I'm home, uh, they've done this. What's thing. this? This is, I did two layouts with Living Magazine in Albania. Those were eight and t- ten pages. Uh, two years in a row they did something on me with uh, some of my books and some of the things I do. That's a magazine that came out last year in Hollywood with a psychic, uh, Jay Donegan, who's a very good friend of mine, great psychic. That's a society magazine in France. Uh, I did that a couple of years back also. They did some articles. I did around 22. Now, this picture days. over here, this is a younger you. Yeah, that's me and Gotti Jr. and I see a cake. Uh, other made guys in the family at the ooh, club. Ooh, so oh, that's Gotti Jr. You're yeah. right next to him. Gotti threw that. Who's this? That, uh, that's another made guy, Jack. Nice guy, Jackie, Tommy, gentlemen. These guys, listen, these guys, unfortunately, were around the guy they know is uh, wasn't capable of leading. So... Uh, they're not bad guys, those two guys. You said this is the phone booth where they caught you in Brazil? Yeah, they caught me in Brazil with the... So when you went back on this last trip, you took a picture of it, huh? When I was there, I took a picture. That's where they caught me. My friend was on a telephone. I was standing on a corner. It's up the block from a gym I used to fight at. And uh, the army came, helicopters and uh, armored vans. Were you like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, they came with... You knew? 50, 60 guys. You knew? Yeah. Yeah, and it was over. It was just quiet. They blocked off all the streets, and they caught me there. It's kind of like that scene in an American gangster with uh, Denzel. You ever seen that movie when he comes yeah. out of the church and, yeah. just, and he just yeah. knows? Yeah, and it was over there. You know, I thought it was over anyway. And that's you in Brazil, right? That's when they uh, they were walking me down Interpol. For, uh, they had uh, a news brief with me getting pinched, and uh, they just walked me into a prison. It's crazy shit, man. Yeah. Had, uh, you finally come back to America in cuffs. Yeah. Right? They extradite you. They bring me back for Goldstream 5. Uh, Gotti's deal uh, fell apart. They caught him in some lies, uh, some, I guess, against me and some against other guys, and they ripped up his agreement with him. Um, so what exactly and how long he was informing from that point or prior to that I don't know. I didn't care. But once you know, all bets are off. Well, he's queen of the day. Anybody in the mob world. Uh, what I was disappointed about was when I was in Brazilian penitentiaries, I want to come home to some dead guys. You know, I believed in the life, and I thought they should kill him. And everybody turned their back on me. Uh, they, they refused. And I, and I sent all kinds of messages home. I'm killing for you guys left and right. Now you guys need to do some work. Nobody wants to do nothing. I said, okay. And when I came home, I made that decision to go back against the guys and everybody that betrayed me. It was very simple. You guys uh, fucked me. You guys betrayed me. You guys allowed everybody to betray me. And now nobody's a gangster anymore. So I quit just like you guys quit. The only difference is uh, I came forward without hiding, came back home, and uh, I said that 
I looked at a life that didn't exist. I believed in nonsense that didn't exist. And I'm going to change my life. And I never turned back around. I changed it and I kept going with it. And, uh, you come back, you end up making a deal. Yeah. Are you allowed to talk about that deal or not? Yeah, yeah. I so was, what was the deal? I mean, what did you have well, to do? Well, you know. You know what did they do for you? People don't understand. When I went to Brazil, there was a death penalty was possible on me. Because of all the things I've done. And the death penalty is off the table. They can't extradite me back. Extradition law is 30 years to bring me back from Brazil. It's, you know, it's part of treaty transfer. So when I come back, I'm facing, uh, I would have to do about 25 years. I got about approximately eight and a half years in. I do two and a half in Brazil because it's so bad there and horrendous. They give you eight and a half years credit. So actually, I had to do about another 17 years. So you're telling me that the Brazilian jail is that bad? They didn't have an advocate group allowed in. That America is going to give you credit two for serving years, time. Two and a half years. That's crazy. I got, which Brazil gives you eight and a half years. America only gave me day for day. So I'm really supposed to be facing about, actually about 16 and a half years when I come home. So when I got my deal for a 10-year sentence, it's really not a great deal. I says, because I'm coming in and I says, okay, I will talk about anything and everything now after they did what they did to me. So when someone sits there, I want anybody to sit next to me and tell me, well, who would you be loyal to, the guys that are giving you up for all the crimes? Because the thing that I've talked about is I never got caught with drugs. Nothing. I never got caught on a wiretape. Nothing. I never got caught committing any kind of crime, any kind of violence. I never got caught with weapons. I've never been caught ever on this case with anything except these mob guys testifying against me. That's it. So how they change that storyline and say, well, this guy cooperated. Yeah, I cooperated and helped the government against the guys that all betrayed me. Yes. And I'll never look back and I'll never, if I had to make that decision again every day, I'd make that same decision. I owe you guys nothing. It just fucked me over. So if anybody tells me some difference or they tell me that nonsense about, let's talk about our lives. Let's talk about Bessa. There is no Bessa with them. They, they owed me nothing. They did nothing for me, but fucked me over. I owe you guys nothing. I rip up everything with you guys. And I left it at that. And I never turned back around and I tell kids, listen, don't be stupid like I was. Because every time you turn around, it's your friend that's shooting you in the back of the head in this life. Or it's your friends that are robbing your money while you're in jail. They didn't rob the mob money. They robbed my personal money. I had nightclubs making $3 million a year. I had parking companies making $17 million a where year. Were, where were some of these places? I had, I had nightclubs all over Florida. And uh, I had a nightclub here in... in uh, and I've read so in comments. Crazy. I've seen people's comments about yeah, your yeah, clubs. Yeah. Like people, I, people knew who you were down there. Yeah, you know, listen. I've seen the comments on YouTube. On and anybody that really knows me or from our neighborhood, they know everything I'm talking about. Or any of the mob guys or ex-mob guys, they know. You know, I purposely name names now so people can't say, well, he's lying or he's not telling the truth or you're hip. And I'm talking about most people know everything obviously is true. I'm talking about the people that don't know. And I'm talking about the third party trollers that are on here for different people and they're doing them favors and they're going under 20 different names making, making fake comments. But anybody that knows me knows. If you had trouble with me in the past back then, you weren't going to last too long with me. Now, you finally got, so how long do you have to go in after everything when you come back to the States? What was the agreement? When the agreement was would I testify and I said yes. The only Were you the only one? That testified? Yeah. Oh, no. On that case, for example. No, no, no. It was, so there was a long list. Yeah, a long list. I mean, this Guys you, know, you knew too. Nobody had a problem testifying in the Gotti trial because they already knew he was an informant. 
So nobody had a problem testifying against guys. Did you, you own a lot of property that. in the Greenpoint and then Woodhaven? I owned a lot of property everywhere. I had uh, and there were those areas too. Yeah, I had property different names, different people's names. I put money up for people. I uh, had property in Philadelphia, Jersey, Florida, California, New York. You're all over the fucking. Yeah, place. I was all over. Yeah. Diversify. Diversify. I did a country. I had. Did money. you ever in your mind when you got to a certain point? I mean, is it true you can't get the fuck out once you're in? I mean, w- was there a point we could said I got. I feel like this is a common. In my, I'm, listen, again, I'm no expert in this shit. You get to a certain point. You got a lot of money coming in. You kind of set up some assets all over the place. Does it ever get to a point where you're saying, listen, I'm chasing the dragon too much? Should I get the fuck out? No, it, it, you know. Does anyone ever get the fuck out on time? No. It seems you like know, no one I'm ever gets out on time. I'm going to tell you why. Because, say, me It and makes you, no sense to me. Me and three, me, you and three other guys, we did some murders together, crimes together. If you walk away tomorrow, we're not sure what you're doing. Why are you walking away? So there is no walking away. There, that, that's so basically, the if you walk away, they think you're turning on Of course, they think something's wrong because nobody has a pulse on you. And there is no, I quit. Well, everybody would do that. You know, you would say, well, when I make I mean, a million, It's a fair I question. Quit. You know what I mean? Well, like, it, it, you get yeah. to a certain point. Why not enjoy the spoils of your war and live the rest of your fucking life? It doesn't work like that in a mob life. Because it seems like the longer you stay in, you're fucked. Well, you can't just... If it's me and me, you and three of our friends and we decide to walk away, it's something different. But when you're in an organization like ours, there is no just walk away when you feel like, I'm going to pick up, I quit today. Uh, you know, if everybody did that, there'd be no structure. So we can't allow it. You know, and I understand that part of the life. So when I walked away, I walked away in the way I did. And the difference is I came right back to where I grew up. I, I find it fascinating that I picked you up in the middle of fucking New York. I mean, you walk around like you were never in that life. Yeah. Do you ever, you ever nervous? You ever worried? No. Retaliation and that yeah, shit. You know, you get guys like you know. Since I've been around, you know, they come with ten guys, try to punch you in the mouth. I mean, these are kids. This is laughable. This ain't. You know, I mean, has any of that stuff happened? Of course. I mean, but it's like what? You're at a restaurant, someone recognizes you. Well, know? they come with ten guys. I mean, you know, if you want to listen, I decided when I came back, if somebody's going to shoot me in the head, so be it. Shoot me in the head. But when you want to be a gangster, and you want to be fake your way, like all these guys that write on here. Right? And you know as well as I do, I don't personally have Instagram or Facebook. There's sites out there that are mine that people run or people make on their own with my name and, you know, that's nonsense. Or I have agents that are out there, you know, for the movie business. I do a lot of shows and magazines. So some of them are sites that I approve, some of them aren't. And, but I don't get on, involved on a daily basis with any of them. You know, their fan pages and different things. I have a different complete life. I lecture at colleges to kids. I go to schools. I go to organizations. Why, I did you just, why did you decide to do that? Because did I, you have to because of the deal? No, no, I don't have It's not a part of like, no. you know how they have like community service? You no, don't have to. No. You're doing this because in it's your in heart, my heart. It's in my heart. Do you regret everything you've done? I never regret anything I've done. In the past, all the crimes? Nothing None because of I turned that negative into a positive and I'm saving lives and I'm doing things in a different way and, you know, and I'm doing things for kids and I'm trying to. Now you, re- you release some books yeah. about your life. You've teamed up with some people about them. I'm going to pull them up here. Now, um, Gotti's Rules? Gotti's Rules I did with George Anastasia. It was a major bestseller book, not just here in Albania. Also I mean, that's your picture on the cover. In London, yeah. That's me in the Brazilian penitentiary. And these books are all available on Amazon from what I saw. No, no, that's in Barnes & Noble's Amazon. It's all over. Then this one, uh, Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour was uh, Amazon uh, in Albania, also in the Albanian language. Both books are in uh, London. And uh, I don't know what other countries that book's in. 
Now you said there's another book coming out, Darkest Hour number two. Yeah, Darkest Hour number two. So honestly. give us just a little. I mean, what's the Darkest Hour about in a nutshell? Darkest Hour is just from my childhood till I'm about seventeen. What we just talked about earlier, but Darkest Hour two will be international. The new book coming out. Yeah, that's the new book coming out that I'm really excited about, honestly, because it's it'll talk about terrorism, my involvement with some of the guys and ter- terrorists that I went against, that I went after. We'll talk about the Philadelphia mob. Uh, my life in other countries, uh, some of the penitentiaries I've been in, jails, uh, some of the things that went on with uh, different uh, aspects of the mob world. But that's uh, Darkest Hour 2 is going to be, uh, I, I really think, without a doubt, it'll be a bestseller. And I think it'll be an international seller because of uh, it's going to involve all the other countries and some of the stuff that went on in the Brazilian penitentiaries and some of these guys that were with me in Brazil like Fratelli, and there's a, there's a load of guys through about 12 different countries that we stay in touch with. We just had a reunion in London, so it'll involve a lot of that. Some of the, the, the stuff that they found out when I was in jail, what was going on with the mob when they were turning on me, these guys were crazy with me because they were my friends, obviously, and they, wanted, they didn't like that these guys were turning on me like that, and I wasn't doing it, and I sat in those jails for a long time without even thinking about doing anything. Then finally I decided to go. I mean, you sold the total of 18 years. And if you had to put a number on how many people you, you think you took out, I mean, you allowed to say it? Or? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I told guys. I shot a lot of guys. I didn't sit there and check their pulse. I talk about it on a lot of these shows, who I killed, who I shot. Some of the other guys that were with me that did the shooting when I was with them, whether I was part of it or you know, driving or, uh, the jails in Brazil, what happened during those riots. Uh, so it's very hard to put a number, but it's a big number. And, you know, the shootings, they said I shot up to 60 people, and I said that's exaggerated. I think it was more like 40. But, you know, again, uh, this is what I did every day of my life. So uh, uh, it's not something that I looked to, well, I, you know, almost, uh, you know, I, I want to forget about it, but I can't regret what I did because it happened. And I could say that, you know, if I had a different path, I wish I did. But I use that negative stuff to, to talk to kids and tell them, listen, I am the guy, I am the real deal, I'm the guy that pulled that trigger. Most of these guys don't do what I've done. So listen to what I'm telling you, don't ruin your life, don't follow this nonsense. It doesn't, uh, I, I wish I never did it, but I did it. So there's no way to take that back. That's why when someone asks, do you regret it? I'm like, I don't really regret it because it's just part of my path, I guess, that was meant to be maybe from from God and you uh, those negative path, uh, there's a lot of positive that came from that negative path. and. I hope to believe I'm saving a lot of lives these last decade or so doing the, the talks I do for kids. There was times you've been shot at, shot. Did any time, yeah, any of those times you just say, I got to get the fuck out? No, I mean, you know, when I got stabbed up. And I mean, bad, what's going through your mind the first time you got stabbed? I mean, you're thinking, all right, you're thinking. <laughs> the first thing you're going to think about, especially when I'm in that life, I got to get, get these, that guy back. Yeah, uh, guys. You know, they jumped me about six guys. Uh, you know, when it, listen. Part of that life is if you're going to give it, you're going to get it. That's just part of life. So it's when expected. someone says to me, well, you got jumped, this and that, it's part of the life. You're in the street. This is, that, that's nothing. If you're just going to get punched and you get away with just getting punched and they're trying to come kill you, they're going to come with two or three guys. They ain't coming with ten. Only cowards come like ten. But when they're real killers and the guys I know that really want to kill me, they haven't got me yet, obviously, because I'm sitting here. And there's guys out there that get beast with me in the past. And if that's going to happen, it's going to happen. I can't change, but I'm not going to hide from it either. That's not who I am. 
And, you know, so I'm very open. You see the way I walk around, move around. Everybody knows I'm always You're in the heart of fucking New York. You were walking, you know, yeah. picked you up right on the street. I mean, you know, do I ever think I would ever pull a gun and pull, you know, and pull that trigger again? So far, no. I mean, you know, did I wait years for some of the guys that I killed or shot or stabbed up? Yeah. Uh, I'm me. I'm who I always was. The only difference is I'm trying to tell kids, don't be who I was. Don't waste your life doing what I did. There's so much beautiful things in the world to go follow. Don't Got a question us. here that says, were you close to the twins? Uh, Very close to them. I know who they're talking about. Junior's uh, bodyguards. I don't know. I don't, like I, I'm not a master of this. So. Oh, I thought they were talking about the Mexican twins in uh, Mexico Cartel. I'm very close with those brothers. Uh, no, they're asking about John Jr.'s bodyguards. The twins. I don't know. I don't know. Twins. I never even, he never stayed with no twins. The only, he stayed with two big dummies, uh, Jeff and uh, what's the other kid's name? Uh, the two bouncers, they came around me. They're soft kids. They're big, but they're soft. I mean, were you in contact a lot with people? Like uh, when, uh, when you guys were active? Steve and Jeff. When you guys were active? You know, when you were still running and everything was up and running. Yeah. Before Senior went in and all that stuff. Junior everything. doesn't have another shooter around besides me. Not one. There's nobody he could say was a shooter. Nobody. He didn't have anybody. So, you know, the, the belief with most of these guys, they have no clue. They're clueless of who, who was around, who's real guys, who's a killer, who's a shooter. He didn't have nobody. This ain't like the old days with Andy Ruggiano when he had a ton of killers. Or well, Senior had killers. Senior had shooters that were dangerous guys like Johnny Canelli and Tony Roach and certain guys like that, Eddie Lino. These guys were, you know, tough guys, old-style gangsters. Those guys are a long time gone. Um, who, who did you really, I mean, who did you respect the most in that crew? Or even to this day, who do you respect? Uh, I always respected Johnny Canelli. Johnny Canelli was a gentleman. Money maker, uh, gangster, quiet guy, nice guy, like that fun, like the party, and uh, he was dangerous. I think he was a well-rounded gangster. Sammy was a same thing, carried himself the same way. Andy Ruggiano, old-time guy. Uh, there was some guys. Nicky Carrazzo was old-school gangster. His brother, I think, JoJo's like a, a bitch. I mean, you can't even compare him to gangster. Forget gangster. He was, a, you know, the guy's a joke. So these guys are like the new generation gang. So I heard that he's not around. Anymore. I don't know if he is or isn't. But, you know, you look at guys, if they're businessmen and they're gentlemen and they're gangster gangsters, I always liked the Gambinos, uh, you know, whether Tommy passed away. He was a gentleman. He was more of a businessman. Paul Castellano, I think, is the biggest blunder in mob history. I says, I've said it over and over. The guy was uh, an incredible businessman making billions of dollars for a corporation, the Gambino family. To kill him, to have uh, a janitor take over, and that's the best way he can describe one to the other, meaning Gotti. You know, this guy doesn't know how to make money. This guy's making the corporation to see over billions. How do you hit a guy that's making a family strong? Because when you're bringing in that kind of money, you're making the family powerful. And I think the old Sicilian family ways, like the Gambinos, they're gentlemen, they're quiet, they're low-key, and they're, they're businessmen. Big difference in, in what you're talking about. Mobs are supposed to be quiet in the background, and you got guys like Sammy Gravano, who was, you know, a guru of a construction industry. Those are gangsters. Uh, some of this other stuff, uh, I, I think... You don't blame Sammy for doing understand. what he did? Well, if you're sitting in a room, me and you are partners, and I'm throwing you under the bus under every table, on, on every tape... What would you do? I mean, these guys say, Again, well, and forgive me up. for not having all the knowledge. It's a lot to, 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 to know about. You know, there's well, there's so a, room, many different that, stories, there's so many a different... room that's bugged, and on those tapes, it's... That room was in Queens, no? Yeah. Uh, no, this is Manhattan and Ravenite. And on every tape, 
He's blaming Sammy for every murder, every dollar that's being brought in, and he's talking about crimes that never should be spoken about again. So he's got to blame himself. He can't blame Sammy. He's got to blame himself for betraying Sammy, who never betrayed him. Very simple. People say, well, that's what you signed up the life for. No, you didn't. You signed up in this life. If you get caught by law enforcement, yeah, don't betray your guy. But if your guy's sitting there betraying you, and then you got cuffs on in your face in 10 life sentences, be, not because you got caught with these crimes, not because you got caught with this money, just because you got one big mouth that's pointing a finger blaming his partner that just did everything from. It's very simple. If John wasn't happy with Sammy's performance as underboss, then remove him or kill him. But don't leave him there throwing him under the bus talking about crimes that we are not allowed to speak about again. Why is he speaking about crimes that have already been committed? And why are you pointing at your partner that's done everything? And those just got picked up randomly. Is that what happened? He's sitting in an apartment. I mean, listen, how dumb Bugged, can you be? Right? But would I talk to you about a crime? that First of all, I wouldn't even talk about I never got caught on these tapes. I just, But I would never talk about murders that were committed. As much as I didn't like Gotti Jr., I never talked about murders I committed for him until he betrayed me. He betrayed me, and he's talking to the government, a queen of the, what they call queen of the day. When you make that appointment, it's only the rat. There is no other reason to go meet the, the government. So you can't change that. You're not in the newspapers because they felt like calling you a rat today. You got caught. We have the paperwork. So you slipped up. They caught it on tape, God, and that's that, what unravels all the my mistake. He says, I was just had a weak moment, all these nonsense. I don't care what your reason is. You ratted. You went and you met the government. You became queen of the day. And the rest of the mob can blame themselves too because why didn't you hit this guy? Why didn't you kill him? You just knew he went in. So where's the teams? Where's the hit teams? We're the mafia. That's what we do. We kill people, especially when they talk. But since you let him go, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Since you let him go, you let Mikey Scars go, you let Joe Messina go, the other boss of the Bonanno family, you let Al Diaco go, the boss of the Lucchese family, let Leonetti go, the boss of the Philadelphia mob. I can keep going. I say this all the time. These, Please, guys, keep are going. These guys are ratting like crazy. All the bosses. So you want to have structure of a mafia? Go kill them. Now again, you're talking about me, the guys that you all betrayed me. I didn't betray you. I says, and now you want to talk about me? Well, talk about yourselves. You guys are all giving up the structure of the mafia. You're Do the you think rat. the American mafia could ever be what it was? No. In, ever in again. Italy, they don't respect them here. In Canada, they don't respect. They lost respect. Because in, if it goes back to the quiet ways, like Frank Cali became one of the acting bosses of the Gambino family. He was a gentleman. The guy didn't open his mouth. I don't know what his personal business is. If he committed crimes, he didn't. He's dead now. It doesn't matter. But there's a difference. He was low-key, and he was a businessman making the same thing. Billion dollars. This is, this is what the structure of the mafia was supposed to be about. It's what it existed for. It wasn't for nickel and dime drug dealers to go shake down the store owner. That's not how the mafia started. It was supposed to help the public. It became this nickel and dime guys that should never get made getting straightened out. Father and son unions. It's a joke. They destroyed it by the way they ran it. So you're not going to point fingers, but we'll point them at yourselves. I got someone from your neighborhood in the comments here. What do you say? He said, and I quote, mm -hmm. and I know he's from this neighborhood because I know him 20 years. And I, I told you I hung out in Woodhaven a lot. Right, right, right. I grew up around this guy running around the hood, and everything he is saying is true to the Italians feared him. He's from Woodhaven. He still lives in the Jamaica section of Queens to this day. Okay. That's how I knew about Danny Sheswans and a couple of these other places. Right, right. You know, I know you know the neighbor. These guys are my friends. Right. And I know who they are. Right. And I know what kind of guys they are. And I know that they're not lying to me right now. Right. I mean, I already believed you. Yeah. But with his seal, I know for a fact. Well, you know, I tell everybody the same thing. I love live shows because there is no bullshit on a live show. 
And I don't like doing shows that get ta- taken out of context, especially when I'm doing shows and they tell they me chop one them thing, up. and they chop up what I say, and then they read, and then they go back, and then you got the nonsense that keeps the the, the fake news that keeps getting circulated. That's not accurate. It's very simple. He says if it's live, I never said you know. You ask me, can I talk about anything? I said talk about anything. I let anybody ask me any question because there's nothing here to change. History is history. Facts are facts. I said, anybody that ever grew up in that neighborhood knows exactly what I'm talking about, just whoever that person is that's writing. So, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm as honest as you could be because my objective isn't to be a gangster again. And my objective isn't for everybody to know, you know, whether what happened in my personal life. My objective is kids to understand, don't follow this life. And for whoever's speaking, if he's my age, he has children. Don't put your kids in this life because this life is nothing but misery. And as much as I don't like Gotti, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He suffered while his father died in prison. Whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, he suffered. His kids suffered. His kids' kids suffered. So why are you pushing this life? And stop lying to people. You're at it. Just say, yeah, you want it out of the life and whatever. But stop trying to entice these kids to follow this nonsense when there is no loyalty. There's loyalty as it is. Guys have enough trouble having loyalty within their own personal family. Forget about strangers. That's very true statement. I mean, people's sometimes even closest relative. I mean, listen, has cooperated against other family, like their, yeah. their own blood. Forget guys like you and, that are not even related. And these to. guys that know me know I was very violent, and I would go by myself. Anybody that really knows me knows I didn't go with ten guys. I used to go by myself. So for for the most part, and I was on things before with a couple of guys with me. But for the most part, I'm by myself. I don't need to make that phone call. Everybody else needs to make. I made the phone call to myself and go take care of it. To anyone that might be listening right now, if they're in that life right now, let's say that they're in that life. I'm sure people that are in that life listen to these interviews, right? Maybe they can learn something, see something. Maybe the, the mistake that they made, I, I won't make and my crew won't make. If anyone's in that life right now and they're watching us yeah. and they see this video tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, what do you want to say to those people that are in that life right now? Would you put your own son in the life to do what I used to do? Because if you really love your child and you really care about your child, you would tell your child, stay the furthest away from you could from the street because this is nothing but a life that you're going to get killed, you're going to go to jail, and you're going to be betrayed at. So if you really love your kid, regardless what an adult does, I don't try to change minds of the adults that are in the street. That's their choice. But we all have kids. And my message is to those kids, to that gangster's kid or to that gang member's kid or that street guy, who wants to put their kid actually in this life? Who wants to put a kid? But what about if they're in that life? Well, if and they're in that they, life, they've caught a luck. Let's say they've caught a break. They haven't been caught yet. They're not on the radar. What would you tell that guy right now? Let's say he's sitting on some money. Well, he's an adult. You know, tell me. What would you? Let's say you were, if you were giving him free advice, which is what you're doing. I'm, here's my that free guy, advice. that 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 tough guy that's out there, that mobster, that gangster, that whatever he is out there, whoever he's working for. Well, if he's listening right now. Here's the free advice. What would you tell him? Any made guy in any crew or any leader of any gang, I just listed boss after boss that were wires, that ratted. Well, maybe they say that's only the Italians. Maybe they say that. Or maybe it's it's just the Albanians. It's every group. It's every group. There is no possibility of loyalty to someone's life. Here's realistically speaking. Let's just say a captain of the Lucchese family. If it's between him ratting on you or his son getting life, trust me, he's ratting on you. His son's going to come before you. So let's take it there. So if he's foolish enough to believe in what he thinks is 
really exist still. There's enough proof, obviously, over the years to see what happens here in this life. If he's able to walk away, go retire somewhere, take your money, go take your family, and live a decent life, whether... Would you tell him, get the fuck out while you course. can? Get out while 100%. you're ahead. Get out, take your money, take your Would family. Would you advise him to leave, just, leave the I country? Mean, it depends <laughs> on the guy. Is he a dangerous guy? I mean, listen, years ago, we, we shot the way I did. Right, these that doesn't occur now. You get one or two shootings. Every Speaking of that, and the movies like you watch The Godfather and all this shit, and I know a lot of it's exaggerated and all that other stuff. Did you just use? Would you? Would, is that really what they did? You just leave the gun there? No, is that? Because no, no, that never made sense to me. No, no, no. Does no. that make any sense? No, I don't care if the gun's clean. Uh, you know, meaning you cleaned it. There's no fingerprints. The bullets are clean. You, you don't take the weapon. The weapon goes wherever you're gonna go, and you get rid of. It's it always taken with you, so it's not like the movies. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is 2020. Everybody's got a telephone. I'm make. saying back in your day, uh, day you, you took the gun with you always. or you left it? No, always took it. Took it gun Anyone that you knew that was up to that type of stuff, nobody, they always left it? they don't have a murder weapon, it's very hard to convict you. I said, especially back in our day. Because so that's all fucking bullshit then in the movies. Well, if you don't talk about a crime and you get away and there's no cameras like today and there's no GPS and there's no tolls and there's a, it's a million Why leave ways the gun? They, they triangulate you now. It's so easy to get caught after a crime now. What I mean, I'm saying is, you gotta be a, in the a, movies, a they show gun. them just shooting, leaving the gun there. Yeah, no. You would have never done that even back in that day. No, never. No. It would be I never did not. And day anyone day. that you knew of that was up to that type of stuff, they never did either, no. right? So where the fuck did the movie get that? I don't know. I'll tell you the truth. I always, I mean, it made for good theater when he flips the gun. Uh, Al Pacino, I know somebody that did that at a shooting in Philadelphia, actually. I know who it is without mentioning names and... He was a buff for these movies, and I thought it was funny, but I would never do that you know, because you never know if you're going to get a, a half a fingerprint, some sort of DNA or anything else, and the weapon's at the scene. To you know, If they ever get you with witnesses or anything else, now you got the gun, the murder weapon at the scene. So, no, I mean, you got to be a, a complete imbecile to do that, I think. But you know. Can you tell us anything very interesting about that life? You know, I like the little things, man. You know, everyone knows about uh, the crazy uh, stuff. I mean, everyone listen, knows about the crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, listen, even in jail, Tell us something in jail we, we used to, you know, you have a lot of- What good, was it like being you in jail? Like, once you made it back to America? Like, is it is it like how they show it in the movies? Like, the wise guys yeah, get treated get better? Lot, yeah, sure I do. I get treated better by Why? everybody. You know, because you have You're a reputation in now. I mean, How much power do you have in there? You still have power for the things that are important to you in jail. What's important to you in jail is food, uh, family contacts- uh, you know, uh, inmates, you know, treating you a little different. So you have special treatment for if you want to watch a movie, your chair's in front. I Someone's mean, saying, do you know anything about the White Horse Bar? I have no idea sure. what that is. White Horse Bar, we grew up in a White Horse Bar. It's Frankie Scarpanito's play. He died recently. He had heart condition. He was one of my uh, partners back years ago in the drug business in the early 80s. And a uh, ton of murders in front of that place next door. Shamrock, two dead bodies. Uh, my friend Angelo was killed there, uh, pistol whipping a guy who picked up the gun and killed him. Uh, Mikey Merlo was shot in the head with a shotgun in front. was a personal friend of mine. Um, my cousin Patsy was killed down the block, the father, not the son. And, so uh, you actually had a blood cousin in with you? He had a lot of cousins. In no, I'm saying you. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of cousins involved. That ran with you? Yeah, ran with me. And some of them got killed? Yeah. Because yeah. of the life? Because of the life, yeah. How did their family take it? How did your family? Like, there was there ever a point, like, and this is what I wanted to ask you. Did your parents already, did they eventually know what you were up to? Like your dad. And, my mother and, and couldn't is he, is he, and, too, and Forgive mom. me for, you know, going in. Is, are they around? Yeah, my dad had a major stroke, so he's not cognitive. But, yeah, he drove me crazy to get out of it. He tried everything. He knew. It wasn't going to happen, yeah. He was hearing things from the neighborhood, right? He thought I could skate the life like he did, just as a gambler, hang around, this and that, fight in the street, but not be a shooter. He didn't understand that aspect of me. And, uh, 
he tried. I mean, my, I, I listen. I love my father. I'm very uh, Albanian that way. He was very close to my dad. You wish you would have listened. I, I, Hindsight, like I said, no, you don't regret don't, nothing. I don't regret it because it's you can't change it. So I, I, I take it in you know in stride and and try to make something positive, which I do. I try to influence as many kids as I can not to do this. And not to follow, it makes for good story, right? But they didn't see the parts of uh, my family crying, me crying, me losing my uncle, who was like a second father to me while I'm in jail, my cousins dying, uh, all your friends turning on you, testifying against you, robbing you, all the other stuff that people don't see that comes along with the life. This might be a really stupid question, but sometimes when you get knocked down hard, mm-hmm. people are dropping dead. There's no way you're not feeling a little depression. No, you feel a ton of depression. Did it ever cross your mind to just give up? Oh, uh, no, not to take my life, no. I mean, I think that's in you to either be a fighter or not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some weak, weak moments where I said to myself. What the fuck's the point? Yeah, but not to kill myself. And I had weak moments where I never hid this to anybody. I've seen therapists. I've cried. I've, you know, when somebody or Gotti at some point try to make fun of me crying, I'm like, if you think your father didn't cry in those cells, you're a joke. You're laughing at yourself. If you didn't cry, then you're full of shit. But I'm upfront with everybody you know, I try not to be a phony. I talk about things where people say, well, he hit his ex-wife. Of course I did. And I advocate for nobody to hit their wife. I mean, because I was there. I did that in the past. I've changed my life years ago, and I haven't did it again for 20, 30 years. So, you know, some of the negative things I did do, I try to advise people not to do because it's the wrong behavior. This is why I'm not happy about some of the murders of women in Albania because these are our people. And if you're not happy, divorce her. But you can't have this mentality of 1860 killing them they have children they have daughters that are out there and sons that you're killing that you're killing your kids at the same time and you know you got to think about what you're doing as much as it hurts and you love them but you can't force a relationship on somebody you know what was crazy though man like honestly up until like the mid 90s Divorce was almost non-existent in the culture. I know, but... Families would go to blood wars over this shit. War, it's crazy, right? The world moves on whether we well, like it Well, now it's pretty prevalent in our community. Prevalent, but... Compared to, take, to how it was 30 years ago? Can I, t- I have an ex-wife. I wouldn't even think of, I don't care what was going on, of taking her life. Never. I have kids. You, you have family. I'm not even talking about you taking her life. Back, no, I'm talking back about in, anybody. Back in the days, like... Her family might want to kill you for getting divorced. Yeah, I know. Or I her for shaming them or whatever the fuck. But like, this was prevalent, man. I understand, but this is the reason Because back in the day, you said, yo, that's your fucking This wife, is man. part of our government's responsibility to change the mentality. I'm talking about the Albanian government. To change the mentality of uh, the way people feel about anything. This is not years ago where a woman couldn't talk, a woman couldn't work, or, or anything I mean, else. Albania's come a long way in they, that they compared to way, where it was after communism. Need, but this last year, I've, I've been disgusted about what's going on. I hate to is hear it. Is it more in the rural areas, though, no? I know. This last one was in, in, in uh, Doris. So, you know, they, the, the woman got bludgeoned to death by her husband. So, you know, you know he, she, he, he, the woman that died has daughters. I mean, you know, so... You got to say, what are you going to do to your kids? You're destroying your family, your kids. And a lot of times it's crazy, man, forever. when this kind of stuff happens, even the guy that does it ends up killing himself sometimes. I've read about it. I think when they Because I think you, they do it in a moment of rage. They're not maybe thinking. They're just, you know, the blood. You know how our blood oh, can get. Oh, yeah, it's hot. But and mean, then boom, 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 and they're like, fuck, what did I but do? But there's got to be a way to deal with it that, you know, we haven't dealt with it the way we should, I think. Do you think therapy helped you? A hundred percent. Told you how to think different? Taught, taught me not to react to my first thought process. You still in therapy? Yeah, I always go. 
You know, some somebody said, well, it was part of his parole. It's not true. Some of these dumb rumors that are out there. Did you have any substance abuse problems? No. In those years? No, no. You never no. got caught up with this shit? No, never. I never had no weakness as far as drugs. And ever. you made not sure. Even close. So I, even though you might have pushed it, you never touched it? I, I wouldn't say I never touched it. I mean, you I, have to make sure it was good shit right? before you're going to fucking Listen, sell I think it, right? I, one of these guys say, oh, I, never, I think they're lying too. I mean, I know the whole mob, every, all these guys. I know them all. They all stay with me. So, you know, I know who used it and all this nonsense. But listen, did I ever have even a little bit of a habit? No, never. I, recreational, yeah, with girls and partying, but not even a, a little bit of problem. I was athletic, so it never really... Uh, would have even affect my life. I would have a drink like I could fool around, and the next day I wouldn't touch it for two years if I wanted. So no, I never had an issue like that. It's interesting stuff, man. Is there anything, I don't know, a cool story you could tell us? Well, I was going to say before, I mean, we did have a lot of fun. We used Give to, us some examples of, like, what was the night? Like, would you guys all go together? Uh, I'll give you an example. We what had, was it like going out in the city? I mean, paint the picture. I man. mean, listen, you could go out in the city. We should go to regimes. We'd go to Club A. Back in the day, we'd go to Peter Stringfell's place uh, called Stringfell's, you know, when it became what about the, the fun house? Club. The fun house. You used to go, go to that place? Yeah, they were talking about That's the That's where Madonna 70s. got discovered, In the right? 70s, yeah. We used to go, my, my friend... Uh, Jellybean used to yeah, DJ. They ended up killing him too. Uh, he was from Brooklyn. Nice. Jellybean, right? Used to DJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jellybean. Uh, you know, so my kind of cars were, were you pushing back in the eighties, man? We all drove uh, Corvette convertibles. All of us. We, I bought them, and then everybody that was around with me started buying them. So we had about ten of us with Corvette convertibles. We had fountain boats, cigarettes. Uh, I mean, we was the we, we, we had fun. We traveled all over. We'd go to Mexico a lot. We on cruises. A were lot. you a gambler? Yeah, yeah, I gambled too. You, but was, I was a bookmaker. What too, did you like? A blackjack. My father was a craps player. So you we go were to in casino? casino all the time. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine, was, uh, he de- he died, Eddie Leffler. We used to fly around private jet because he was a crazy gambler. He'd lose five, seven, ten million a year. Uh, he owned three nursing homes. So uh, we'd private jet everywhere with him. And me and him were very And close. the casino was picking that Jewish up. Jewish guy, nice guy. Yeah, they'd pay That's crazy. But, well, they picked it up, but really, he's picking it up. Yeah, no, of up. course. Because if he you're going to lose a couple million, what's, a, what's the jet? 50,000 yeah. one yeah. way? They used to give him gifts back in those days. He'd, he'd get all kinds of cars, gifts, and jewelry and uh great guy jewish guy and uh me and him were really tight you still like to play blackjack once in a while for fun yeah 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 but i wouldn't play like that you don't play crazy not not like that i was a bookmaker my whole life so i had my own sports offices let's talk about let's talk about gambling for a second because a lot of people suffer from it man albanians are horrible with it you know i opened up the a light a light uh sports uh so a light sports oh what you're doing now consulting firm for guys that gamble so, you know, you call me up and you call my office and we give you the side to bet. And, uh, so you opened up a company called? A-Light Sports. A-Light Sports. What's the website? That's it, A-Light Sports. Just like that? Yeah. Let me pull this up right now. So you're telling me, basically, you kind of opened up like that movie with Pacino, uh, Two for the Money? Yeah, Peter Black runs my Seriously? office. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, really. I got guys on computers all over Your the first place. pick in sports consulting, A-Light Sports. And what, you make these picks? Or you got a crew that no, does No, I got it? 30 guys. We're on computers. We give you the edge. And, and honestly, we're up there right now. I think we're at about 80%. Are you into sports, man? Yeah, yeah. I always say. What's your favorite one? If you, if you were like betting, those. what would you bet on? I'm not, uh, it would definitely be football, baseball. I'm not a big, hockey's, all, to me, it's a difficult sport. So if I want to I use your services, I want to give it a run as a gambler. Right. You go on my email, contact us. There's different packages. What, what, how do, so how do you get compensation for the information? How does it work? Is it based you if I win? You buy a package for me for a month or a Is week. it based on a, a, if I win or how does no, it No, we don't take a percentage. Some of the offices do take a percentage. Well, we just take a, a, a straight fee for uh, giving you the, the, the action. I tell guys, follow us. 
Before you join, you can follow us. We're at about 81% right now. I mean, it ain't going to stay that high, but we're pretty high now. That is pretty as, fucking yeah, eight pretty out of high. ten chances. And my, one of my partners is... All uh, sports? Yeah, Peter Black is a big, big basketball guy, so... He's known, like, in the world for this stuff? No, I'm saying he's a big... He's, he knows his yeah, shit. He knows his shit for, with basketball. And then my other guy that works with him, one of his friends, is very good, and he's... Uh, He's also good with hockey, and he's he was pretty good with baseball. But as someone that was a bookie, and I know you want people to obviously because it's good for you if they do. Oh yeah. What would you advise someone that's young? Should they ever fucking gamble? If you're gonna gamble like a sucker, no. Yeah, I want to tell you what a sucker is. If you're betting reverse bets, if you're betting parlays, if you're not betting straight games, if you're betting some of these guys that gamble over with me over the years are betting ten games. Guys that were friends of mine. And sports and betting can take you down. Win. Sports betting well, can take gonna, you down quick. If, no? you, if you're trying to bet ten games, trust me, you're not winning. It's almost impossible to win 10 games. So even if you go 6-4, right, you're breaking out even because of the juice and stuff. But if you come into, like, my office or somebody where we're giving you one or two hot games, like some games we don't, some days I have a friend of mine that calls me, yeah, hey, you don't got no game today. I said, you want me to give you a game just to give you a game? I said, I don't want to do that. We're we giving try you games to stay, where you got uh, the edge. Yeah, you want to stay ahead. So sometimes we don't put a game up, and guys want a game from us. How long has this been up? It's been up about six months. Let me ask you another question since we're talking about gambling. This is an interesting subject for me. My dad with, was a big gambler, so I, yeah, I even grew up in the industry. With all the legal gambling now, right. sport, you can place from your phone now in New Jersey. Right. Can, can, I mean, is it even worth, do people, would people even go to criminals now for bookies? I mean, bookies still exist, I think, but is it even worth it well, at I'm this point? I'm going to tell you why, yeah. Why? Is. Because you got to put. Because I thought that would just put them out of business. No, because you can, you can bet without having money or a little credit. You can bet. And get behind the eight ball, like say if you knew me and we're friends, and like, and I'm not talking about betting where you're going to get yourself in trouble because if it's really, but if you're betting through these sites, you got to pay up front, you got to put it on the card up front. But if you're betting, you know, still the old fashioned way, you have a little leeway. You can get some credit. You can bet with no money, and you can, you know, if you have so convenience. So if someone's on a bad so run, they're going to go to the different book way, right? You know, I, you know, I did HBO. I did a show definitely on Showtime took, but on legalized sports gambling. I don't know if you know that. No. Yeah, I did a 60-minute show years ago, and I was saying that I was all for legalizing sports gambling in New Jersey at the time. Do you think that it definitely hit the had, had hit the bookies' pockets a little bit? No. There's so much money in this industry. No. I, I just, it's a billion dollar industry. No one's going to stop gambling. There's the lot. What do you think the government took over the numbers business for and made it the lottery? Because. But not no all bookies are, are gangsters. No, now it's different. It's you got white collar criminals all over the place that take an action. You got regular everyday Joes that own stores that are taking action. It's not like the old days was just mobsters taking action. It's everybody. It's part of everyday life really now. It's not like before this casino is all over in every city, every state now. Because it's legalized. Uh, the old Aqueduct racetrack became a casino. So it's so pre prevalent because there's so much money it brings into the, the, you know, to the joining neighborhoods now that these politicians understand you can make billions of dollars for your area, for your community. So there's ways for, for them to you know, pay for things, infrastructure. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't like a lot of politicians. They take double salaries and every other thing. And they're, they're bitching like the MTA the other day about where do we find money? How about cutting some of your pays you get? And you're getting 300000 a year, you you know, some of these guys are clowns. You know, they're talking about, and they want to hit everyday citizen with fair hikes and say, where do we find the money? How about cutting your salaries a little bit? Now, I heard an interview, and I'm going off subject in here, but I think we kind of, we know where you stand with gambling. Yeah. Alightsports.com, try them out. What do you got to lose? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I had heard that, that interview. Someone was interviewing, uh, it's not a released interview, by the way. Which one? Uh, someone was talking to uh, Sammy the Bull. 
And he was mentioning you over oh, and over. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like basically everything you just told me, he's like, yeah, that, that's that's who he was. He was a stand-up guy. He fucking, he did his dirty work, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I mean, I heard. Yeah, well, the interview you're talking about, when Sammy says, uh, I was uh, a professional hitman for the Gambino family specifically. I heard, for the I guys. actually heard the soundbite. Yeah. He was talking to another Albanian, huh? Yeah, he was talking to another Albanian. He was interviewing him. It was his first interview since he came home from prison in about, you know, the 18 years where we did all uh, He was just on Valuetainment. You were. He came on after. Yes. Right? Yes. And I saw him Valuetainment. Uh, what did he say, Sammy DeBow? He said something. Uh, forgot what the hell he said. I wanted to bring up the point, but I can't. I'm drawing a blank. Um... That interview, by the way, is going to be out. I'm doing a couple Netflix series and different things and being held. The whole interview is being held for so one of those shows. And it's I, we're holding it for actually Albania first for Europe. And then I guess people see it all over London. You know, I do, I do a lot of things in London, actually. So you're definitely a motivational speaker is what I call you because you're motivating people to run away from this type of life. Anyone that is speaking publicly, and I'm trying to get into that arena eventually, God willing, Anyone that is speaking publicly to inspire and motivate people to do better with their life is a motivational speaker, okay? Well, You're like the gangster Les Brown, you know? <laughs> if you ever heard of Les Brown, yeah, I love yeah, him. Yeah. He's the godfather. He just turned 70. He's the godfather of the motivational movement. He's been doing it for... He just turned 75 years yeah, old. Yeah, but I don't... You know, people have the misconception that I'm talking about just the mafia. When I did, I just did G GQ... I think it was August. I did GQ. You think they should in, have you on London. the fucking cover? Look at the way you're yeah. dressed. Well, they gave me a full uh, picture in, in GQ. And, and what these guys, Alex was one of the guys that did the interview, and I stayed friends with him. And, and I, what I talk to these guys about is actually, I do a lot of talks at inner cities. I, I went to Newark. I talked to 400 kids out of high school. I went to colleges, Georgian law school in, in Jersey and some police stations. I went to. Uh, 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 Hackensack, I, I talked to some, and, and, you know, I've been all over, but I went to Brownsville, and I, I did a, a, a day speech and Q&A with some people in Brownsville, and what I'm really saying is it doesn't have to be what, you know, people saying about the mob. That's why I got involved with Ch Second Chance Program with Paul Lutol and his wife, Tiffany, and Michael O'Hara, Harry O'Harris, is because this is about kids in general. It doesn't have to be any color, any race, any any uh, uh, gang affiliation, I just don't want to see kids waste their life. I, mean, it's, I did that. So I think when I'm doing these lectures or these talks or these speaking engagements, it's not just, I know we get into the mob and the Albanian culture because we're Albanian and we get into the, what, I was, what I was personally involved in. But I think it's, it needs to be said to all these kids, man, there's so many things you can enjoy in life. I know that some of us don't have the chances that some of these rich kids do or different ethnicities that have, but... Some of these innocent kids, they got to really look at themselves and say, look in the mirror and say, hey, I really like myself, man. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this life that is so openly easy for us to get involved with. And that's the important thing, really. And um, when you were in jail, I mean, what goes to your fucking mind when you're in jail, man? When that, when that cell closes. As bad as it is, I was going to say that earlier, we do have some fun with each other. I mean, in jail, we, we prank each other. We have parties in jail as much you got to make jail is Now, you were in nice federal lockup? I've been every jail, federal, county, states. Which ones are the worst, in your opinion? Uh, Brazil penitentiaries. I mean, but I in, in the states? Three different jails. I don't know. I mean, because you get different opinions, because I never did state, state penitentiary. You ever spent a night in the tombs? No, no. I've never been in I the tombs. that place fucking yeah. I've been everywhere, but actually I've been in 47 jails. You dodged the jails. tombs. Yeah, yeah. 
And you know, Tombs is central booking in Manhattan, guys. Anyone that's ever been there will tell you it's fucking miserable. I did uh, MCC for four years. I was in uh, Rikers Island, I passed Queens House. I was in Camden County three times. I was in a Philadelphia holding uh, facility. I was in LA County. I've been, I mean, I've been everywhere. Florida, I've been in MCC in Florida, Miami. So I've been, you know, you said you did 10 years where you didn't even have no yard. No yard. No. Explain what that means to someone that's never been locked up. Uh, guys that go, like when I was in McKeon and I did. Uh, McKean's uh, medium high, and I, you know, you go out, you work out, you get out to the yard, you can jog in a regular field. Like, a, how long a did park. it leave you out there? Uh, it depends on the facilities; they change. But you know, you can get out when you're not working three hours in the morning, in the afternoon, you can go back out. And at night, we used to they change the hours, but at night you can get a couple hours out, three or four. So you have five, six hours through the day you can get at least get to the yard, uh, which and see really the sky, changes, and lay out, and get yeah. the sun, and. And, you know, at least it's some sort of normalcy. But you told me 10 years you were locked, locked down. Locked down, either, either in county, uh, MCC, Miami, MCC, That means what, Brazil. even your food is in the cell? Like you can't Everything, I'm locked down. And, uh, How the fuck did you get through I, that? I get in a cage an hour a day, three days a week, and it's another cage. It's not, How'd you get through that? You get through it. You, you have no choice. Uh, my father came You read it? Did you read me. it? I mean, what'd you do? I read place? a lot. I read a lot. Uh, what type of books do you like you, to read? Sometimes you can't get your hands on books or radios or anything else, so this occasions when you when would you, you say a book's your best friend when you're inside helps the time go by uh that and working out takes the mind off things yeah a lot of guys yell from cell to cell and talk to each other i can't do that i hated it i used to hate that guys used to get mad at me come on john answer us and i wouldn't answer. you have any close calls in jail in brazil. attempts on your life constantly in brazil brazil was dangerous. was it because you was only dangerous spot no. american or what uh, no, it's, it's just dangerous. I mean, we it's just everything's there. There's guns inside the jail, there's machetes, there's killings, there's riots on constant Were you places. like, I'm, did, did, I'm not going to make it out of this fucking place? Uh, I don't know. The mind? guys that uh, did interviews about me said that, uh, you know, they talk about how aggressive I am. So I think in my mind I thought that, but I wouldn't convey that to them. I would tell them, listen, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing, stick together. We try to escape a lot and... Uh, we try to make the best of it. I mean, it's jail. You got to make the best of it no matter what. It's where you are. So, Talk about the last day you ever spent in jail when you came out. How did you feel? I didn't know what was getting easy. The, the thing is, I didn't know when I was coming home. You didn't know if it was going to be done. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. And they don't really tell you that. And uh, you don't know if you're going to get released. But when you, when you actually got out, though. Oh, when I got out the first day I came home, it was 2 in the morning. What was uh, the first thing you wanted to do when you got out of jail that time? So with my mother, I think, and uh, my father. Yeah. What did you want to eat that day? Do you remember? Yeah, lasagna. Yeah. You fuck. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I would have went for. That's my favorite. Yeah. Like if God said you can only pick one dish on earth. Lasagna. lasagna. And I love feta cheese. So I had uh, eggs and feta in, in the morning. And uh, I fucking, I make a mean lasagna, yeah, brother. Yeah, I love it. And so you know, I, if then, you then I went to see my kids. I mean, I you know, that was it. I surprised You like Albanian food? I love Albanian food. It's not as I mean and, uh, in Albania you realize how intent like how in depth it could really be. Well, I got a really good friend that was in prison with me, the Remy. That's in uh, and his brother Jimmy, and I've been friends with them forever. And so when I go to uh, Tirana, I go see my cousin. I see my, my Remy and his brother, and I see all the nephews and cousins, and and they know that I love Albanian food. So then all the Albanian. What's your favorite food, Albanian so. dish? Uh, you know, I like birek, so I have a lot of birek with... Uh, I think that's the first one you got to choose, if that's the only one you can have. Yeah, chofte. Then I got to go with chofte, then I got to go with, with if lamb, I have to, I, I got to go with goulash after Yeah, goulash is good. With this, with that bread's got to be fluffy, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. Albanians, we eat everything with bread. I have like petalas, I don't know if you ever have petalas. Of course, of course. Yeah, so Zeppelis. Like petalas, Zeppelis. But our version of it. Yeah, our version. With the, but I like a lot of syrup on it, so, uh, I don't know. You know, when you I like them sweet or you like them with cheese? Like, I like them sweet. 
Yeah, I have them sweet too. I like them sweet. Yeah. I like them better, like the Zeppelin style. Yeah, yeah. I think that's because we grew up here. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think you've painted a pretty descriptive picture. I didn't maybe get into as many details as I could have because I'm lacking a little bit of the knowledge. Well, I'll all. tell you one thing. Gotti Senior was very fun to go out with. When people say to you, you know, we go to regime, he was a very happy drinker. He wasn't a dud. Now, Junior, you like to have fun? Hand, yeah, Junior on the other hand was terrible to go out with. You asked me that early, we didn't get to that. But, yeah, yeah, the father was fun to go out with. He really was. And, uh, and would fights ever break out when you guys would go out? Just because you guys were all together like, fuck it, let's nah, be somewhere? That was like the last thing you wanted, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everyone knew. Yeah, everybody knows. I mean, it was a different Was there era. like, did you guys like strip clubs? No, nah, not really. We weren't big into strip clubs. I mean, we went a couple of times. So, like, what, what was, like, a night going out? Like, was I it mean, to a club? Yeah, regular Just club. String club. fellows, regimes. It was big it's back then. Because Gotti, the, the father, liked regimes. With Club A, uh, Mark Ryder would be, he lived across the street on 58th. And uh, second, he had the penthouse. And downstairs was Club A. Did you a, go to 54? So, uh, uh, Stuart for a couple of times. Went to the Red Parrot with the Ruggianos because they had the place back in those days. Uh, so, we, we'd, we'd go there a lot. Channel 80 by boat. Uh, down in Florida, we go to Shooters, uh, Joseph's, uh, was, uh, th- uh, different places back down Park Avenues in Florida, California. We've done Beverly Hills. We had a place over there. And when you guys would show up, it didn't even matter if you knew anyone. They, they, yeah, they pe- all know us. People already knew. Yeah, they knew. The Open owners the- were mostly friends. But you guys would spend money on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went down to Miami Club. Now, was bottle service prevalent back then, or would you guys kind of no, brought we, that to the world? No, we brought it Because that didn't really exist no, for back, back then, it was Chris Dow and King Louie, you know. So, so only... In that time, really, bottle service was really the wise guys, no? Yeah, yeah. You, you think those are the first people to really make that, like, I think so. Prevalent? And then, and then uh, you know, the uh, movie business and entertainers and rappers and started with But that was stuff. normal. When you guys were not, there'd be bottles on the table. Oh, There was no waiting for a fucking listen, drink. No, no, no. We spent five. hundred dollars to keep back the ice then, cold. Huh? Was, uh, back then, we'd buy the Magnums. I think they were about three seventy-five a bottle, which was a lot of money back yeah, then. Yeah, but compared to today. No, today, but we used to spend 5000 a night. We'd That's be out four though. nights a week. You know, crazy. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's stupidity throwing money away like idiots, but, you know, when I opened up. What was the favorite restaurant of everyone? I mean, is it, was it fucking Rayos? I mean, what, what nah, was the nah, favorite? No, Rayos is more commercialized and whatever. But we what was one of your favorite spots? La Magnet back then, 50th and 3rd. Bruno's, uh, well, I still uh, friends with and go to on 58th and 2nd. La Camellia back then was across the street. Steakhouse The noise was Gotti's place with uh, the guy Carlo on uh, 72nd, I believe. And that was first. I mean, I could bang out all these places. We used to go to Canistel's. We used to go to... Uh, uh, you know, this the, is uh, nostalgia, Iguana, man. That's why. Iguana. Uh, Iguanas, I heard, was a hot party. Yeah, I had all the, you know, the bounces. They're still the open, but not the, work for me, not so. the original location, though, no? Is it? It's no, still on 54th Iguana, Street. No, back then it was a 20s. It was 20-something street, I think. Yeah, it's on 54th like now, Iguanas. Yeah. Still we used to go to Heartbreaks on Monday nights. With uh, What's his name used to go there? Then the, uh, Bruce Willis and Grace Jones. And I'm trying to think somebody actors and actresses. Used Are you to friends with any of these now. people? I knew him from Drake and say hello. I don't know if they remember me. About now, Tony Danza. He used to go Tony out. Danza was a good guy. He was actually a great fighter. Uh, I don't know if you know that. He was a boxer. He yeah. had six professionals. He was some fighter. He, Who's he the boss? He stayed in that business. Yeah. He's a nice guy. You, guys, you, you used to run into Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who else did you nice run into guy. that was famous that you thought was cool? Uh, in those days. And did they know who you guys yeah, were? Yeah, everybody. I mean, Mickey Rock used to come around. He wasn't one of my favorite people, but he was friendly with Mikey Scars. He brought him around. Steven Seagal used to come around with us once in a while. Uh, Vanna White. I'm trying to think. I was very good friends with Connie Stevens. I used to date her daughter. Trisha, Joel and forgive me, Connie Stevens was the actress that played with Frankie Valli and all those, okay. those movies. And yeah. she was a nice woman. Uh, daughters used to come around. Uh, Bob Hope, uh, James uh, Conrad, 
Who's got the best pizza in Queens, brother? I did before when we had Sergio's. We had a pizza place on 33rd. Yeah. Who's that still open that's your favorite? Is it, is it New Hyde? Is it? Uh, Patsy's is good. New, oh, New Park. Park. New Park pizza is good. Park. I still go there. Uh, Danny's? I, I, yeah, I go to Danny's too. Still. I'm around. I mean, it's, it's a little sweet. Like I love yeah, that pizza. Yeah, it's yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm Now, let pizza. me ask a couple other questions and we're almost done here. Not to get into politics, but who would the gangsters pick? Would they pick the Republicans or the conservatives? I mean, I'm a what do you think most wise guys would pick? Would uh, they pick Trump or whoever Trump's going against? President Trump. Wise guys, right? I think, listen, they could say what they want, President Trump. You know, people, he might not be presidential the way he speaks, but he's highly intelligent. The market is great. The average person's making money. Except the I last week was fucking crazy. Democrats. You know, Democrats make up a I, I really can't stand Nancy Pelosi. I think she's just an imbecile. She, and uh, everything she says, well, she doesn't do anything but talk against Donald Trump, the president, and... And to me, every country looks at it as being weak because you haven't stopped against him for four years. He was elected. Shut up now. And when his term's over, if he's reelected, then respect him. If he isn't, then you go ahead, open your Until mouth. So his reign's over. He's the well, godfather, on, right? Stop Shut already. We have a system that, you know, he was elected. Stop. You know, if you want to go try to take the, the next election, do that. But... You're not doing anything productive, even with this coronavirus. All they do is not talk. Yeah, I was about nonsense. to ask you about that. Would, 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 are you are you scared of it? You think that it? Do you think it can really be as bad as they're making it sound? Well, if you know, I was just joking. My kids were making fun of me because I gave them the breakdown of all the percentages of what ages and. You know, I didn't know this. Women have better immune systems than men. I didn't know this. So that's one thing. The factor for younger kids, it's only 0.02 or four percent. That's fatality rate. So for the young generation's really not harmful up to the 30s from what they're showing. And then when you get into the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it gets more Dropping dangerous. Like flies. And then depending if you're a smoker, depending if you have heart I guess we're fucked, man. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and I'm, we're pushing that age. And, uh, but people in the 80s, it's very dangerous because it's at 15%. So, yeah, and I think that they got it under more under control than I people hope think. So, and, uh, well, I hope so, because the markets don't seem to believe it. Right well, now. because of what the Chinese did. You know, the, the leadership I'm talking about. I'm not talking about yeah, They the kept it a secret. They kept it a secret, and I just per personally don't think it was over food or anything. I think it was over some sort of chemical warfare they they lost control of, and that's why they're being so secretive about it. But who knows? It's I politics. remember my question. Sammy the Bull said on Valuetainment, he said, gun control is bullshit, he goes. And I want to see if you agree with this statement, because it's a very controversial subject in politics, right? And he said that I will still always get a, I will always still get a gun as a bad guy. Is that true? You think? I mean, you think he's making an accurate statement? I mean, is it really still that fucking easy to get a gun illegally? Oh, you can get a gun. I can get a gun anytime I want. I just will never carry one. But is it still that accessible? I mean, yes. illegally. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like, aren't people scared they're being surveilled or what? I mean, like, is it really? Because I remember in the old days, they, I don't know if this. You would tell me this because a lot of people forget how New York used to be. In the eighties, a fucking New York was a war zone. Yeah, here's 42nd Street. When I was growing up as a kid, okay, and I ended up growing up in Jersey most most of that time, they would say to us as an insult, like back and forth, and you 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 throw fists if someone said it to you. Your mother works on 42nd Street. Yeah, right. I meant your mother was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's how crazy Times Square was. Yeah. Was it really like you just go to Times Square and buy a handgun? That's how they make like out of a trunk. Well, it was, was that, that easy back then? Yeah. You who controlled up, who controlled all the, that business? You could go up to the dome. You know where the dome is as far as Park Off Jamaica Avenue, where we grew up. And it used to be a parking lot, what you see in the movies. You could buy any drug, any gun, any anything in that parking lot. It was like a gangster flea market. It's crazy. Though. Yeah, it really. It was packed like a flea market. Exactly. Just what out of trunks, like whatever the fuck you need. Anything you need. But I don't believe in the law right now because you can't have some people in some states and some counties with guns. It's not unified. 
So you go to one state you, and you don't get in trouble. You go to another state, you get in five years for the gun. So then you would agree with this statement that you, you don't think that that would actually curb gun violence. I, I, what I think is, and I think Sammy said this, there is no need for a Mac, you know, uh, machine gun. Why do you have one? Why do you have it? But a, a handgun is a little different. So I think the law should change as far as, you know, is people's right to, to protect themselves, their home, their family with a gun. But I don't believe that anybody doesn't need a machine gun to go kill a deer if they're going to go hunting. So what's these machine guns? And that's why you have these mass shootings. That should be under control with, you know, NRA. But I, I think it's just because of the lobbyists and politicians that are scared to make that move because of the vote and all that nonsense and, and who's behind it and the power behind the money is being made. But a handgun compared to a machine gun is a big difference. Do you believe in any conspiracy theories? Of course. Do you mind sharing? I mean, listen, I just... Uh, I give you Do you believe example. in some of the people that go like the Illuminati? Do you believe in any of that stuff? I, I, Do you I, think there's people that are way above that well, we even see I that run the world? T- two Spanish guys earlier, twins, when you said twins, that were very uh, high-known uh, uh, family members. Uh, and when the cartel, they had problem in Mexico. Two brothers are here in the United States, are very good friends of mine, and uh, they're away. They'll be home shortly. And I know what happened to them from Mexico to the United States, and I know they got caught in a crossfire between countries, and uh, they got caught uh, in some heavy-duty stuff that these kids, are, in my opinion, have got screwed over big. Uh, and there's a little more detail to that than I really want to discuss. Yeah, but it's don't, it's, don't, it's don't, something don't on another that, uh, level when you're talking about, you know, some of the... Uh, when you're talking about outside the country, because somebody asked me that about Escobar, and I started bringing that up, and... And uh, Nicaragua, they were supposed to hit Escobar on the runway, and the father was a general, and the kid was part of the MS-13. And some of this stuff people don't understand because they don't, they're not, they don't know these guys. I know them personally before in my criminal world, and I know exactly what happened. Some of these things and conspiracy things, and so you know, there was the Iran, you know, the uh, the Contra deal with the uh, yeah, Alvin that that's Nolte. public information. You know, so I, I know some. I read the paperwork on all these cases, and I was involved with these guys, and uh, you know. A friendly basis so i know exactly what on so when people think there's not conspiracy theories of course there are if you had to give us people that were not in that life as a reference out of all these gangster flicks you've ever seen if you had to pick one and say if i have to because maybe none of them are accurate but if you said i had to pick one of them which of the films that you've seen would you say are the closest to what you saw when you were in that life you know is it The Godfather? Is it Scarface? Is it Goodfellas? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I like Scarface, actually, at the beginning of the movie. As a movie. I mean, at the end, I thought it was ridiculous. It was too, too Hollywood, right? It was too ridiculous. But uh, if you look at The Godfather, I think when it was re- really done back then, it's back again. It's it's a movie. I don't think anything depicts it really accurately. You know, I'm doing a lot of stuff with the movie business now. Somebody just asked me to consult movies and... So I'm looking into doing it because they're you trying see to make some, it more accurate. Yeah, right? because even the the words they use, the the language is terrible. I don't understand who they're using as consultants not to get this a little the you slang. Know, you mean? Yeah, the slang a little more accurate. I thought the Bronx Tale was good because of the sense of humor, and I think he did a great job with it. Um, I forget his name. That Chaz. Chaz. Yeah, Palmetary. He did a great job with it, and I think. Uh, and that's kind of how the Bronx was. It was yeah, a lot of yeah, racial yeah, tension. Yeah, yeah. Albanians definitely had issues yeah, when they but, first came. They were getting everyone thought we were Italian. Well, and, I think the racist and the stuff, Italians and the blacks were going at it, too and, much. and we got crossfire because yeah, of that I, shit. I don't like. I really don't like where the world's going with racism either. Because you know, again, I have a lot of black and Spanish friends, and I think that 
some of the politicians they love to fucking light up the fire light with the, the fire. Shit. And I, and I think that it has nothing to do with you know divide and conquer. No, man, I got a lot of black friends and Spanish, so we, we don't act like that. Is there prejudiced people that are black? Yes. Is there prejudiced people that are white? But why every time something goes on, they got to say it's the racial this, racial that? You know, because I don't think an average person in the street looks at each other like that. Maybe these politicians do because it helps them with votes. But I know me and my friends don't. I mean, we talk to each other, we, we joke around with each other either way. I don't got to watch what I say, what word I say. Everybody's got to, everybody's worried, oh, he said this word. Or he said the N-word. What's the N-word have to do with it? I call my kids that. There's nothing to do with that. Sometimes I say an endearment. I call my kids up, what's up, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. So why is everybody so you so actually use that word? All the time. <laughs> I says, and my friends, we, we say it all the time. I don't care what color somebody is. That ain't a black word. That's maybe with the politicians, it seems to be. But when you're talking about, sir, I don't like the division. The, the, the I talk about Martin Luther King Jr. a lot, and he fought so there was no division. And we now, went I, with that struggle ourselves. Yeah, but now you got we division. You're making black entertainment. You're making black beauty contests. No, that's wrong. I don't care who's pushing it, who, what agenda it is, you know, because... When a woman is beautiful, whether she's black or Spanish or white, you should have one beauty contest. And if she should win because she's black, then she should win. It shouldn't be that she needs to be recognized only in a black pageant. What the hell is that? When you see a woman and she's beautiful, you recognize her as being beautiful. Like Miss Universe this year. It was, yeah. a, if I'm not mistaken, it was a black, beautiful woman that won for the whole world. Okay, so the ignorant people that don't see it like that, you know, basically, and I'm gonna, I don't like to curse too much, but fuck them. I mean, who cares what they're thinking? And I don't. I think these politicians all use everybody as a gang, as a, as a pawn, you know, for for their own agenda. Divide and conquer. Well, yeah, it's nonsense. And I don't think if everybody talks about the president so much, I don't think at, he's racist at all. I don't know where everybody's getting this from, because I mean, he does talk some crazy shit though. No, but he's he's not presidential, but he's intelligent. Internationally, every trade agreement he's made now is in our favor. And I just, today, the official. Now, here's one thing I do want to talk about. Today, they officially ended the Afghani war. I don't know if you read the headline. Yeah, yeah. I got a problem with one thing, man. We fucking went there to fight the Taliban. That was who the enemy was. That's who they said. We're going to Taliban. And now we're giving them money. And, no, and now we're giving them the fucking country back. So then what the fuck? The, what was the... Here. I, I don't think... What was the point well, of the war? Because I, I want to tell you, the same thing that happened with Saddam Hussein, right? I don't think we understand that region in the first place. We took them out of power, killed them, and now it's it's... Yeah. Disaster. But does it make sense? I mean, I'm not crazy here. We went there to get rid of them, and now we're giving it right back. So, what the fuck was the point of the war? Because we don't know what's going on in the background. Because we don't have all the information. That's the. It's problem. just weird, man. We get food, uh, spoon-fed uh, bits and pieces of we don't know what's accurate. You know, if you go to Brownsville, Brooklyn, me and TT or whoever fr well, friends, we know exactly. That area is changing, on. though. No. Yeah, but we, I'm saying we know exactly what's going on. No one can spoon feed us. But if you talk to somebody in Idaho and talk to them about Brownsville, they ain't got a clue. But we're right on the ground, so we know what's happening. So it depends. I mean, you go to South Jamaica. I used to have a ton of friends down there because I'm from Jamaica Avenue, right? So the average white guy that's from, I don't know, middle America, they're petrified to walk there because they hear so much bullshit about walking in those streets. But you can walk in any street in any country, and if you look like you're out of place, you're out of place. If you're from there and you're comfortable from there, like anything else people look for marks in corporate america they look for marks so if they can hustle you with insurance or this and that they rob you in a different way so i think it's just of what knowledge you have of what area and what subject because if you talk to me about sports we're very comfortable right 
So if you talk to us about, you know, and I've used this before, uh, mechanics of a car, I know shit about it. You can spin me all the way, anything. All I know is about- But if I find out you did, right, you're getting open-handed. Yeah, so, you know, but- You are. Uh, yeah. So I don't the, give a the, fuck. The problem is knowledge, knowledge is king. So education, you got to go back to education. That's what we need, education. Education will help kids off the street. Education will change things. And I guess I'll wrap it up here because I'm fucking starving. I kind of, I think I'm going to have lasagna. Yeah. To a young person that might be listening to this, you've seen people's lives destroyed from drugs? Yes. Not forget selling it. No. From using it. It's terrible now. So many people, you know. What do you think about what's going on now? Because in our day it was cocaine. People didn't OD like that with cocaine. This is that they're using that fentanyl. Very dangerous, right, to fuck with cocaine. I don't know how these kids can get high not knowing. I mean, they're literally playing roulette. Yeah, they're playing roulette because so many kids What about stepping on it? I mean, you pushed coke? Yeah. Back in our day, can, we can, stepped can, on it. Can with we a can knock. we talk about it? Yeah, we we sued okay, so you would push, you would you would you would get it in a large amount, right? Yeah, yeah. Your keys, hundred keys, at and a then time. you'd break it down. Twenty keys depend on. The you'd you'd break it down into smaller units to mark right. it up, right? Right. What would you step on it with? Yeah, mannitol. What is that? It's a laxative. It's not going to hurt you. It's a white powdery inositol, a pseudocaine. So let's say that's a numbing thing. Out of hundred percent, how much of it was stepped on at your level? Now you're getting I mean, it straight. We're, get, we're getting it good. You know, you're getting get, it like yeah. from directly from the source, right? We're getting it back in those days from Colombia, mostly from. Uh, so you guys like the first touch for the most part. First, second touch. If you're not getting it direct, you're getting it indirectly, but you're getting it pretty good. Uh, and you know, we bang it pretty good. So you take a key, you probably move it with you know a, a key and a quarter, key and a half. Sometimes if you're really stepping on it. So you know, it was heroin back in the days. You can hit it if it's good. You can hit it three times. You can make one key, three keys. But when guys wow. are cooking One it or shooting it, they know the difference. And uh, I mean, heroin is a little more dangerous to play with. Obviously, if you put it out pure, you kill guys. I wasn't huge in the heroin business. I played with it, but not like the cocaine business. I was huge. In. So, uh, but we didn't use anything like fentanyl where you kill. You ever somebody. get caught by like a regular cop and they let you go? Never, never. never That's why I never got caught with drugs. I never got caught. That's what I said. I never got caught. With but crimes. I'm saying These people that you knew that they ever get pulled over by cops dirty and they just paid them off. I, I, I mean, had a know, detective that worked with me, used to drive with me, or everywhere he did murders with me, Phil Baroni. So, uh, what about those two big cops that went down? You know, you're talking about Epolito, and uh, you know they were working with them. Actually, they were going to do move. They were in a different. Yeah, they moved with uh, gas pipe. Uh, Castle Anthony Castle. He, they were killing. I mean, so there was Eddie definitely. Nino. And we know about the seventies, the Serpico movies. That's why I say when these guys, when these kids are talking, or these you know dummies on these trolls, they don't have a clue when you're talking about the level of of guys that were involved with us, and you know different judges, you know that were illegal with us, or detectives, or the mayor. So all I want to say is this: I paid you nothing for this interview. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yep. That's a fact. I don't have millions of followers yet. You. If you were doing it for all this shit, you, you might have even wasted your fucking time by coming here today. Right. You came here because you said, you know what? You got a couple of thousand people that might listen to this. My message gets out there. Stay I, out of the mob. Well, I did for two reasons, honestly. We called. You're a gentleman. You're Albanian. Uh, we had to talk about what I was trying to do, reach kids. Because I know you, I know you can get paid for this. I yeah, know that. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of people honestly offer me, you know, because I'm in this industry now between <clears throat> magazines, books, and stuff, and I got to make a living. But then there's times I make choices also to do it because the message and the message to Albanians, message to the public. And, and our community can definitely get involved. So I think yeah. it's an important message, not only for my regular audience. The name of my show is called The Comeback Team. And why did I name it that? I named it that because I feel like things happen in life. You can go down. You went down a very dark and dangerous path. 
for some reason you're still here. You didn't have to come out publicly. A lot of people don't. I know people that went in and all that stuff, and they just want to try to forget about it. Right. And it makes the, it makes their life easier. Yeah. What you're doing by not coming out publicly might not put any serious money in your pocket, but it does bring frustration. It's, it's annoying. Trolls. Yeah. Maybe people that were connected to some of the people that you had issues with or whatever. I mean, you're out there. Well, trolls are usually out of jealousy, and it's like I talk about bullying. It's the same thing. It's people that are insecure. So I truly believe you when you say you're trying to do it for the reason you're telling me. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get to that point. I, 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 I if it was me and I flipped the script, I would probably just want to like fucking. I don't want to talk about it no more. It happened. It's over. But what you're doing might change someone's course, change someone's life, maybe save their life. I always say the people that are in it, forget the people that are about to go in. If you're about to go in and after hearing this, and I know plenty of people that went down, I'm not going to mention names, their best friends took them out. Yeah. People they never thought would put them away did. So when someone that close to you can put you down and put you away, why even get in to begin with? The odds are so against you. Well, listen, when do I Do you think you it has to do with just, honestly, some people just fucking crazy? No, because I'm going to tell you what, the, what it is. Because people do it with me all the time. They play with fire, right? They want to try and antagonize me. But maybe one day, it hopefully never happens, that I revert, right? And that person would lose their life for, for fucking with me. But they always think they'll never be the victim. And, and that's the thing about human nature. I'll be smarter than these guys. I yeah, won't get caught. I won't. Right. Some of that money is large money right. when it works. Listen, I don't know too many happy endings from guys in the street. I don't know of any. And I know in the world of the mob. Are there any? Have the there history, been? Has there been any happy endings that you know? And the mob world. If anybody looks through the history with us, we don't just go do drive-bys. Usually, we have somebody set them up on your lap for you. That usually means it's somebody's friend. So it just shows you what this life's about. Somebody's good friend, best friend, family members. I know guys that killed their own brothers, uh, set each other up for murder. So if that their own you brothers, anything, own brothers. Fact. This is not some fact. Like the, his fact. own brother, no matter how bad the other guy was. Yeah. Yeah. And why would he do something like that? Commanded uh, to do it from his organization? Doesn't matter. They did it. It doesn't matter what his reasons are. They did it. So uh, this is not a life that I, you know somebody that really wants to have a good life gets into. You just. You, you, how do you, you feel know. when people are like fascinated by this stuff? Do you feel like that they shouldn't be? Do you, do you think that Hollywood glorifies it and makes it look cooler? Of course. Do you think that, do you think that in some ways they're fueling people of considering going into that life? Well, you know, of course, listen, the, the thing is, and the, the, the young kid Gene said it the other day, the people that try to get in this life are the no-name kids that are trying to make a name for themselves. So they want to be able to curse you out or, or Mike Tyson out. and It doesn't have to be just the mall because they're trying to get noticed. But so, you get noticed today, you're done in yeah, seconds. But the problem is they grew up in the in the era of communication. And they want to, you know, you ever see some of these kids where they commit crime and they videotape it? Yeah, that's crazy. Kids, Live they're crazy. Yeah. So you say, so what are they thinking? You know, you know you're on video. Why would you do that? But they're dying for that attention somehow. So usually anybody, you listen to a song, and I've said, forget about the mob or this and that. A guy, will, they'll like 10 million of the hits. We'll use capital T. And then you'll get 3,000 or 30,000 haters. If you didn't like it, why do you got to press that hating button for You don't even have to follow. Yeah, don't follow. I says, but they got to somehow, or they got to write something stupid because they you want somebody me, to though. notice them. They want somebody <laughs> to notice them. But sometimes you say, all right, the controversy is good because it brings, like, it got the president elected, all that controversy. But this is, again, why I don't have too much respect for Nancy Pelosi. She's too stupid to see 
you're helping get the guy elected again if you don't like him. Why don't you do something positive instead of negative? Let's take a guess these next four years. Who do you think wins re-election? President Trump. And if he wins, you Who's think... Going, who are you going to vote for, Sanders? Th- there's talks of a civil war in this country. you believe that that could actually happen? Do you think yeah. it could actually happen? Well, if you keep living into the Democrats, honestly, like Nancy Pelosi, honestly, yeah, you're enticing. What are you enticing? Because you're not doing anything. Why do we have elections if you're not going to follow it after he wins? What are we, what are we electing then? It, you, we elected him. The people elected him. So what's the nonsense? When Bill Clinton was president, he's our, pre- he's our president. When o- Obama was president, he's our president. Yet if you don't like it, then go out to the polls next time. But stop attacking them. They're presidents. Every other country laughs at us. Because I don't care who the president is at the time. Respect them because the more respect you have for our president, the stronger he is for our country. When it's the same thing, you know, I used to have this argument with Gotti. You know, stop knocking all our guys. It's our guys. So if they're our guys, they're your guys. But when you weaken yourself and you badmouth our own people, you're only weakening yourself. So same thing with our, with our leadership in this country. Every other country, you don't get away with doing that. But if you don't like it here so much and you don't like who's president, go back to another country. Nobody's forcing you to stay here. So I never understood that mentality. Go somewhere else if you don't like it here so bad. You know, but at least respect who we choose as our leader. If you don't like it, then start coming out to the polls and do something different. But when you keep knocking somebody, like Nancy Pelosi won't stop knocking him day and night. That's all she does. I don't know when she has time to do something positive for the country. So go out and vote. But I don't think anybody's going to vote for Bernie Sanders, is my opinion. He's an imbecile. You know, he I ran into him in Detroit. He talks about him. I ran into him. You know, he's talking about the I didn't talk to Castro. him. He walked right past me. I was, it's on my Instagram. And I was smoking he, a cigar. Everything he says now, he relates to Obama. Well, you're not Obama. And, and, and you know, so if you want to be Obama, you should have ran on his ticket with him as VP. But you keep saying, justifying yourself bringing up Obama, and he changes everything Obama says anyway. He doesn't say exactly what he says. You know, he gets close, but he's always making a left-hand turn somewhere off of what Obama did. So, you know, one leader doesn't have nothing to do with you. If you're going to you want to run for the country, be a man and stand on your two feet and lead. Or try to lead, and but I don't see him. I don't think they got anybody to run against the president, actually. But we'll we'll find out. I think it's a good place to uh, call it a day. Yep. Definitely want to bring you on again in the future sometime. I appreciate it. It was good being here, really. Um, there's definitely a lot I missed. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, well, uh, especially when we get into all the different names. I, I didn't mean honestly. I didn't know half the fuck. I didn't know half the names. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not well, gonna lie to my this audience. This is my life. How you not? You know, it's not. It's not that easy to jump in. I mean, this information's out there. Yeah, it's just a lot of information, man. I mean, you you, you heard Sammy's interview, so you heard certain things yourself. I mean, he mentioned your name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had the video on my Instagram. He mentions yeah. a light. So I mean, obviously, the guy knew you or yeah. knew of you. Yeah. I heard what Sammy the Bull said about you in the other interview. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it adds up. And then I have people that grew up in that neighborhood that all say, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are people that live in that neighborhood. Yeah. They gain nothing by saying to me, no, they're yeah. saying, no, we've been there since we were kids. Yeah. These are some pretty tough fucking guys. Right. I know them. Yeah. And they said everything that you told me about your past and who you were in that neighborhood, in that area, they told me, yes, this is the real deal. Well... I, I listen. You can't change facts. Facts are facts. Like I told you, Ronnie Trucchio was a captain of Gambino family. His opening statement, he said, "Me and Gotti Jr. were partners twelve times in his own." He did his own opening statement. And then he threw me under the bus from there, and said I'd kill him if he wasn't nice to me. And blah blah blah. But you know, to me, the, these statements by these guys, you know, you're supposed to be you know, mob guys, and you're supposed to believe in this life, and the the, the nonsense and the treachery is what we got to show the kids, so the kids don't believe in this crap. 
because when the shit hits the fan, this is what these guys all do. They point, and uh, they all pointed at me. And obviously, factually, I'd like somebody to show me what I got caught with. That's why I want to tell these kids so they don't buy into this, and they're the next guy that is, uh, ruins their life. Can we talk about the day you were in court? When I was in court, sure. Yeah. You're testifying against Gotti Jr.? Yeah. You saw him in court? Yeah. So Did he look at that. you? No, I mean, he's, you know. Did he look you in your eyes? No, nah, not really. Just at one time, he tried to mumble something, and, you know, I went to talk, and listen, it's the same thing. He He's a, you know, they believe in the showman stuff, and, and I, you know, when I first got on the stand, they call him, called him Whitey Bulger three times. You know, I don't know if you know who that was. It's no. one of the bosses in Boston who got killed in prison, and he was, you know, doing the same thing. Guy meeting with the government, cooperating, and then he wanted to act like he was a stand-up guy, and, you know, uh, well, his way of saying he's a stand-up guy. But, you know, facts are facts. He cooperated, you queen of the day, and that's that. There's nothing else to say past that. I think I give him too much talking as it is. And I, you know, and you know, just what your friend said. Anybody that knows me knows what I was about, and what I did. So it's really nothing to say past that, except positive message for kids not to follow this. You think there'll ever be a day? Could it even happen? Where maybe all of you sat down one day, publicly in front of everyone, and just talked about your life. I mean, all, imagine if all of you teamed up and did what you're doing. Well, I asked that already. I've asked. Like, listen, we had what we had. We all paid our prices. We all got f- whatever yeah. happened. It's yeah. over. Yeah. I got no more beef. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hopefully listen. you got no more beef with me. Yeah. Hey, listen. There's no going back, right? Yeah. So why not all of you team the fuck up and be the mafia of good now? Well, you I think that know, could ever happen? Well, I'm going to tell you, when I was bad, I was bad by myself. And when I'm good, I'm good by myself. If he doesn't want to help kids, that's on him. But I'll help kids. You know, so... If, if some if somebody has children and tell me that they don't want me to talk to them and they rather them talk to somebody else that uh, is going to influence them in the street, then I guess you don't love your kid that much. I mean, I don't know what, what else I could say past that. And those kids that don't have parents and need somebody as a role model because you have some positive people in either in sports or in the movie business or uh, rappers that, that do the right thing, try to help kids. So, you know, this ain't about us. This is about the kids. So, you know, our history is our history. So the kids can respect you one way or another. But the message is to make sure these kids have a chance in life. That's get, very sad. Have you gone into any, like, facilities for trouble? Yeah, kids? yeah, I've been all over. I mean, I've, I can list. They places. see the books, they hear the things, they're like, hey, this guy's a real fucking deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been everywhere. I've been from Philadelphia. To, I went to Switzerland, talked to a high school with 15 kids that stabbed each other. They invited me to come. I went to that, you know, that was also in a magazine after. So 15 fucking kids stabbed each other? Yeah, two of them got stabbed, but 15 kids were fighting Anyone from our, our people? Well, it was a New Yorker that actually was down there that did the stabbing. And uh, they were bringing up names as far as they, like, they were arguing over nothing. Talking about mafia shit and nonsense, and they stabbed each other, and I went. Were they of our, our nation? Uh, there were some Albanians there, yeah. Actually, so that's yeah. why you were a good fit for that? Yeah, yeah. To go and say, they what the fuck you guys me. doing? Uh, London, there's some kids that contacted me. Their parents contacted me. Uh, I did some talks there. I did talks, like I said, Newark uh, Juvenile Center here in Nassau County. I spoke to the warden there to talk about kids. I went to restart programs, uh, second chance program, uh, first time offender okay, program. So yeah, I mean, you're dealing I've been with, around, yeah. You're dealing with people that are high risk to go into that type yeah, of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think um, this is where we're going to close it out. Yeah. You know, someone that was involved in a very high level, you're still here by God's will. You're going to use the rest of your life to 
to pay back society in a way. Yeah. And um, I hope everyone picks up your books that are already out there. I'm going to put them up on the on the on the screen and on the links. And your new book, The Darkest Hour Two, yeah. is coming out soon, God willing. Yeah, just finished editing it. It'll be on and, um, have a Something tells me we might see something in uh, Hollywood. Yeah, I have a feeling about it yeah. because I think you have, and I mean, people made comments that this needs to be on a, on, a, on a series. I think it's too much for a movie. Yeah. I think it needs to be a long series, start from the beginning, maybe even before you're involved and show that New York story, which I don't think anyone's really done yeah. the right way. And there was all those, you know, a lot of ethnic gangs and stuff too that I don't think are mentioned enough. Like, you know, you had yeah. the Dominican gangs, you had the, you know, there was all kinds of different groups. And I'm yeah, sure you yeah. came across yeah. all these people, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Different sectors. It yeah, just made sense business-wise, right? Yeah. I've been involved with everybody, so. With that said, this is Beck Lover with Johnny A. Light, Alite, Shiba. I want to thank you for coming on. I want everyone out there to know that a life of crime eventually doesn't pay. And if you're caught up now, it is never too late to get out while you can and do something better with your life before you either lose your life, end up in jail, or worse. With that said, another episode of Beck Lover and the Comeback Team, Johnny A. Light. Again, thank you, my brother. Thank you. And we're going to stay in touch. Beck Lover, Comeback Team. Subscribe. We're on every major podcast platform, YouTube for video episodes. You can go to our website, thecomebackteam.com and at the comeback team on Instagram. Just remember, you can always make a comeback. Till the next time.